Are we there? We're here. I wasn't even fucking done arranging shit, man. Uh, hold on. You're seeing backstage, kids. I got to pull up the Hello. the YouTube of it all so that I can keep up with the chat. All right. There we are. And we're here. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to another Fat Man Beyond. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Hey. Oh. This ain't an ad or anything, but I just ordered a fucking shake from Plant Power. Yeah. Is they use vanilla oatly as the base and they put peanut butter in it. Mm. I'm fucking charged, son. I'm so <laughs> I'm so peanut buttered up, man. It was a bug of peanut butter smoothie. It was amazing. Outstanding. Um, I expect you will buy stock in the company in any minute. <laughs> what do you think I'm fucking fumbling around on? Uh, hey, everybody. Here we are, man. Here to fucking answer all your questions in a super chat. No, here we are to uh, talk about all things geeky and freaky of the wiki. Um, I'm your host, Kevin Smith. The other guy. Where am I? There he is. The other guy, yeah. I, I saw you on the, uh, no, other way. I there saw that guy. <laughs> I saw you uh, online uh, out there fighting the good fight on behalf of the writers yet again. How often do you go to the strikes? Uh, I'm an every other day kind of fella. Um, depending on the week, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This week, it's Tuesday, Thursday. So I'll be back out there tomorrow. I'm not sure where yet. Um I haven't done much on your side of the world over the hill. So maybe I'll go visit like Netflix. I passed, uh, where did I pass? Uh, Place where they do, um, whatchamacallit? It's on Beverly. It's at uh, Television City? Yeah, yeah, that place. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw people out there yesterday. I drove by and I fucking laid on the horn. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> what I love about the strike is you can fucking act all Jersey and just fucking <laughs> lay on the horn and nobody <laughs> says shit. In fact, it's a good thing. They all fucking, they're happy and stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been doing my part. Been walking the beat. Uh, I have not. Last time I walked the beat was with you. I've been <clears> away <throat> for 10 days. I just got home on Monday morning. I went back east and I did some Smodcastle shows. Um, mm-hmm. Had uh, uh, what did I do? The uh, we showed Jaws, we showed Red State, then we showed Jersey Girl, and Raquel Castro came out, who is now about one year younger than Ben was when we made Jersey Girl. So the little Jersey Girl from the poster is standing opposite Ben like this is now almost Ben's age when we made Jersey Girl. Time, Mark, it won't be stopped. (laughs) Um, What else did I do? Then I went to Florida and my mom got out of the hospital for the first time in 10 fucking weeks. Amazing. 10 weeks later, three hospitals later, mom is alive and well, thank the Lord, because there was a moment there where it looked like, well, they literally told us, they're like, you may need to look into hospice care. And I was like, she's already in a hospice. And my brother's like, she's in a hospital, you fucking idiot. Hospice <laughs> is something different. And when they explained it to me, of course, I was like, what the? 
Um, but man, she fucking recovered and uh, thank the Lord for that. So she home now with her cat. She was, you know, she has this cat princess 20 years. She got it after my dad died. And uh, the whole time my mom was in the hospital, I was like, this cat must be kept alive at all costs. <laughs> closer we got to my mom getting out i was like if this cat fucking dies today oh no uh so she got to reunite with her cat and it was like fucking adorable um then i went to toronto mm -hmm. did a signing at capped can comics um over there in Brantford. um they're the folks that do our the canadian arm of uh kev's comics club which we do out of that secret stash you can get all masquerades and quick stops like signed and sent right to your house but we never did canada because it was too cost prohibitive to ship but we ship our books to capped can they ship them out so they got a storefront as well what a fucking great operation this is um jaden who's the kid and warren is dad like he his one day his dad came home from work and said fuck it I'm quitting. Let's open a comic book store. Cause this kid was like, there's a hole in the business. He's like, and I think we could fill it. These fucking geniuses move over a thousand comic book, comic books a day, bro. Oh, I, you know what I'm saying? Like every time I come into a business where I'm like, they're doing better than me. I'm like, what the fuck is the secret? Um, crazy. Like, Do they stuff each book with loonies? You would think, or toonies, for that matter. They uh, a or lot of cocaine. They do a lot of mail order and send it out across Canada and stuff like that. So not a thousand books like in person at the you know people walking up and stuff. But I, I saw their fucking room where they have all the books ready to be shipped out, and it's bigger than this room I'm in right now. And every shelf was full. And these they're like all these books are already paid for. We just have to get them out. So these cats are doing a fucking killer business and it does your heart good because it's comic books. It's the, you know, the fucking reason we even do this shit because we grew up reading comic books and now they make movies and TV shows and video games and shit like that. But it all started with the word and the picture and there's still an audience uh, for it. So I did a signing at Caps Can, um, which was lovely. And then at night I did a show at the Sanderson Center, the first q and I've done like a long time. Certainly the first q and I've done, straight up q and <laughs> Q&A all the time, like it's Modcastle after shows, but a show that's just a and a First one I've done fucking without weed. It's now like been 20 weeks since I've smoked weed. Um, so it was it was a hell of an interesting night and a great show. Brantford was wonderful. Canada's always nice to me. Then I went back down to the States, to Jersey, and me and Ralph did Hollywood Babylon on Saturday night, and that was wonderful. Uh, and then I got back. I saw my kid on Sunday. She flew into Jersey to start shooting a movie up north. So uh, she came down to the theater, her and Austin, her boyfriend, and um, it was late at night. It was like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. And we, she, I was, we were going to watch Guardians of the Galaxy, which she hasn't seen. And she comes in, she was like, you're fucking showing The Little Mermaid? And I was like, oh, God, no. And uh, that's what she chose to watch instead. So I've seen Guardians, you know, twice, three times now. Uh, I, I had no intention of watching The Little Mermaid, but I'll be able to speak knowledgeably about The Little Mermaid 
<laughs> I watched all two hours and 15 minutes of this shit. The cartoon was under 90, if I remember correctly. I mean, it yeah, was, it was a quick hit. Couple of fun songs, you know, fucking good little moral and Hans Christian Anderson out for that movie. They invented new fucking songs, Mark. They did. And went for two hours and 15 minutes. It's not like it wasn't well made, but heavens, we'll talk about that later. And then as of Monday, I've been uh, home here, man. And uh, the movers came on Monday. My house is now 90% empty as we prepare to paint it for the inside for the first time in 21 years, uh, getting ready to put it up on the market. So it's been a fucking crazy 10 days. Um, and then I go out this weekend to Dallas for Fan Expo um, in uh, in the state of Texas. You know, that Dallas as opposed to Dallas, Ohio. Yeah, Dallas. <laughs> Dallas <dude. laughs> but so it's been a it's been a whirlwind trip, man. So I have not. That's a long way. Oh my god, uh, that's a long way of saying that I have not returned to the. My ring just fell off. To the. Uh, Picket lines. What's it like on the picket lines? You know, it's uh, it's there's there's a good energy on the picket line. Um, there's been some strike activity, some 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 AMPTP, the Alliance of Motion Picture Television Producers. Um, the way that the our our the unions all have three year contracts with the AMPTP set alliance, but those the contracts and the renegotiation of those contracts is a staggered affair. Um, the Writers Guild goes first in May, the Directors Guild goes second, and the Screen Actors Guild goes third. And so the writers, um, if you have not been under a rock, uh, it did not go well, so negotiations, so we're on strike and have been now, this is week six. Um, the Directors Guild um, went in for their negotiations and struck a deal with the uh, with the Alliance of Motion Picture Television Producers. That's right. Or at the very least, a preliminary deal has been met. Um, what has, now has to happen is the board of directors of the DGA has to vote on said deal, um, which apparently they did. And then they're recommending it to the membership now to vote. And then we'll see what happens. Um, the deal, uh, according to the DGA, the deal has made some historic gains in certain places, um, some less than historic gains in other places. But... Um, each of these guilds will do ultimately what is best for their guild, um, what they seem, what they deem to be best for the guild. Um, the Screen Actors Guild, which is the biggest of the three, um, held what's called a strike authorization vote, which the WJ had done beforehand, which basically it pulls the membership and asks them for permission to go into negotiations with the ability to strike should it be required. Um it's another, you know, it's another bullet in the chamber of that particular gun that is negotiating with the AMPTP, and a strong authorization vote is seen as a pretty decent weapon or a tool to help get what you want. Um, the Screen Actors Guild has never done a strike authorization vote before, but they did, and they came back with, of the 60,000 members who voted, 98 point whatever percent um, authorize the vote, which means that they're serious now about going and getting the things that they want. That means the constituency of the Screen Actors Guild, SAG-AFTRA as well, mm -hmm. um, have said, yeah, strike if you gotta. 
Right. Now the uppers can decide as they go. When's their negotiation? I think it starts this week. It starts this week. I think it starts either today or tomorrow. And uh, if the AMPTP, you know, plays hardball like they've been playing with the Writers Guild, then SAG has been authorized to strike. Right. Now, now the the writers have always been deemed as sort of the unruly children of these three guilds. Um, the DGA has always been the, uh, the the sort of the 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 elder son. I'm the eldest boy, says the DGA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the the actors of- wasn't <laughs> like Kendall was not the eldest boy. Like they all leave Connor out of it, man. He was the eldest boy. He was the eldest boy. I saw that uh, uh, um, uh, trending on Twitter, and I thought it was like, oh, finally, Connor's going to assert himself. But instead, it was fucking Kendall, that unreasonable (laughs) son of a bitch. Did you see the story where Jesse Armstrong was like, so we're shooting that scene. And, you know, what was his name? Jeremy Strong? Yeah. Like, ad-libs, improvises, getting up on the railing. You know, and like fucking thinking about jumping into the Hudson and shit. Like, and Jesse Armstrong was like, not what I had in mind for the character. <laughs> and more importantly, terrified us all because we would have had frogmen waiting in the water and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, mercifully, he didn't do it. But we'll talk about succession ending later on. Anyway, back to um, yeah. the real story of succession. And and the, the actors have always been this sort of wild card in that they rarely strike. They're the biggest union, um, but and, and always have been seen as like a bunch trying to hurt a bunch of cats sometimes in the dark. Um, and so, with an authorization vote, it seems as if both they are serious about the issues that are facing their constituency, some of which overlap with the directors and the writers, some of which are uniquely theirs. Um, but it has shifted the tenor, I think, of the strike entirely. Which is, oh, could we have a two union strike? We've never had a two union strike before. And if the actors walk, then that really shuts down the town because, you know, without scripts, it's hard. Without actors, it's impossible. Right. And so, you know, if the actors do go on strike, um, then I think that does bring a hasty resolution to uh, to what this this action is. Um, you know, and the hope is always that, you know, that whatever deal the directors make suddenly becomes a bit better for us. We get to improve upon their deal. If the actors go on strike, then the studios will be much more incentivized to sit down and deal with everybody at once and hopefully just wrap this thing up. But so there's there's some joie de vie. There's a esprit de corps, uh, maybe some other French words about the feeling on the line. In chat, Mark, we have a lot of people who are telling you to fix your camera because it's upside down. But we should probably point out if you haven't seen yeah what the fuck kids it's spider-verse man it's miles, <laughs> it's miles morales behind and that's why the world's upside down behind mark the world's upside down behind me because all of my shelves are fucking empty look at this horrible fucking uh, i quickly cobbled together some shit behind me so it just wasn't a sea of of whiteness like my office got gentrified behind my back or something. <laughs> Like Did you become a restoration hardware? <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, man. In this fuck, I'm telling you, 90% of our shit is in storage, which I'll be honest with you, I haven't missed anything. So it's like, 
there must be some must the whole thing must be a metaphor for capitalism uh, <laughs> or it's just a reminder that you just don't need that much shit in life as much shit as you accumulate crazy the amount of shit that i never touched behind me or throughout the rest of the house um all right so so, uh, so writers guild strike still in full effect folks indeed uh, sag may join the fight mm -hmm. and uh as mark feels that that would that would just end shit however reality tv says hold my beer indeed there's um, the we, we got some uh, some wrestling in-laws in case you want to look at that we got some housewives who are very real in whatever city they live in you don't need a writer for that and you don't need an actor for that believe that believe it or not those shows don't have writers or actors <laughs> uh just a lot of drama somehow Indeed. so we'll keep you abreast kids of when shit's on and whatnot when shit's off but until then check out mark's feeds man and his instagram and you still fuck with twitter or no I have not fucked with Twitter in a while. It's been a, like, I haven't, I haven't closed up shop there. Like I still have the, the handle, but um, I, uh, I don't frequent that way too much. Um, I, I think about it occasionally returning, um, especially with the strike, especially with, you know, being able to talk about that stuff. It was nice when promoting new material um, as a, as a, as a way to signal boost some things, but, uh, but the day to day of it, I don't miss that much at all. Uh, Reborn Hunter 3213 says he's curious how wrestling gets around the writer thing. Like they have staff writers. What a good question. Mm. Like, but I guess those writers aren't a part of the writer's guild. That's my guess. In the same way that like video game writers are not part of the guild. And animation is not part of it as well. You know, they're like animation has a couple of like wiggle rooms where you can, if if you're a showrunner with some moxie, you can you can have a guild covered cartoon which began with, if I remember correctly, The Simpsons um, was the first, like it, it was the Fox primetime animation loophole. And so The Simpsons was the first family guy, you know, and all of those like Fox um, evening shows are guild covered. Some Netflix cartoons are, some, you know, Hulu, some of that stuff is, but by and large, there's all separate animation guild. So that's my guess. My guess is that the, the WWE, um, writers or AEW or whatever wrestling foundation federation you're a follower of are not members of the guild. Um, Josh Mundahl is saying, Kev, what happened to my fantastic two poster? Um, and he's asking also Excalibur June 17th at Smog Castle Cinemas. Um, Josh, your fantastic two image. We sell, uh, you know, before every screening that I'm in attendance at, at Smog Castle Cinemas, my movie theater back in New Jersey, we do auctions. So like, you know, before Jersey Girl, we did auctions for like, you could you could have won the uh, the crew jacket from rap of Jersey Girl. All the actors got this jacket. Uh, posters signed by like Ben and, and Liv Tyler and Raquel and me. When we did uh, Babylon, we auctioned off stuff. We did Jaws, everything that I do. Like for example, coming up, not this week, but next week, June 15th, 16th, and 17th, we're doing uh, Watch with Kev, colon, The Flash. So the opening weekend of The Flash, you can come watch it at Smodcastle Cinemas with me, 7 o'clock show. There's the artwork. And, I mean, it's the movie artwork. We just put my face on it. And um, 
then, uh, you know, afterwards I do a Q&A for a movie I had nothing to do with. It's such a blast. Uh, but it, like in front of that, we'll be doing auctions every night. One of the auctions is a, a Justice League baseball cap that has the entire fucking Justice League signed it. Like Ben and Gal and Henry and so forth. Everybody. 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 Need somebody. Uh, we'll auction that off, auction off a bunch of cool shit, auction off some fl- shirts that I made for Supergirl and the Flash. Those auctions are fucking fun, man. It's usually like a, a whole hour before the show even begins because we're auctioning shit off. Um, so anyway, Josh was asking about that. It's coming, Captain. Uh, it, it, Ernie's in charge of that. So I'll get on Ernie. Smodcastle keeper Ernie O'Donnell. Also, uh, just while we're talking about Smodcastle Cinemas, so I turned 53 on August 2nd, Mark. Mm. I've lived Huzzah. another year almost uh, to celebrate on July 29th, which is the Saturday before August 2nd. We're doing uh, a, a birthday show at Smodcastle Cinemas, which is very interesting. We we're going to do a birthday Q&A show, but I decided against. Instead, we're doing a live script reading of Superman lives throw that art up jc bamf man let's show the kids what that artwork looks like look at that look at that um that's going to be july 29th at smock castle cinemas we're reading my script aloud my 1997 superman lives script the longest draft of it and that's how we're going to celebrate my birthday but it's a cosplay birthday so you can come in costume as your favorite character be who you want to be while we sit up there and read the fucking script man who's uh who's doing the reading do you have uh do you have fancy people no yeah. I, fucking it's me maybe i'll read all the parts fuck you i'm fancy <laughs> i'm fancy i say who i say when <laughs> <laughs> i say who um yeah I, I don't know that i'm bringing in fancy people and shit um you know i, I think you know what they taught me at that fucking nut house that I was at when I went to see <laughs> Tucson? I'm enough, Mark. I'm enough. So don't be fucking <laughs> triggering me, telling me that I need fancy people. I'm the goodest boy. I choose me. <laughs> I validate myself. I don't I need- ch- 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 choose me. <laughs> I choo choo choose me. Uh, tickets for watch the flash with Kev or watch with Kev calling the flash or uh, the Superman lives uh, birthday script reading available right now at smodcastlecinemas.com. Also, July 1st, we're doing um, Bear is Driving, the Clerks cartoon marathon. And, and Jeff Anderson and Brian O'Halloran, Randall and Dante are going to be in the hizzy. Uh, so that's a good ass time, too. We're always doing fun shit. As Smog Castle Cinemas kids. And there have been so many people who are like, I I literally cannot get there from England, from fucking California, from Maryland. I would disagree with the Maryland part. I mean, it's just a drive. You know, it's just a car ride. But so many people is like, can't you stream this shit? We're, 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 We're working on it right now, kids. So if you can't make it to these events live and in person, we're going to be doing a stream that you could join up and, and watch it along with everybody else and stuff. So Dragon Smodcastle Cinemas into the future. I just this week, man, like months ago, I think back in like November, 
um, we ordered this like Barco projector, which is a laser fucking projector. High end shit, Mark. And it just got there. So we will have the best, the best in theater one, the best fucking projection picture in all of New Jersey. Like this is this is the kind of projector that, you know, they use at fucking the AMC up in Manhattan. You know, Ooh. yeah, or or this or the Alamo Draft House, but I don't even think Alamo Draft House is the one we got. Um, this shit is high end, bro. If you're like a, a nerd that's like, I want pitch perfect, beautiful projection, you're gonna fucking come your pants when you, <laughs> you come see a movie at my fucking movie theater and shit. I'm hook my Apple TV up to it so I can sit down there and use it like my television as well. Um, but when I'm not using it like my TV, because there's nothing to watch because fucking the whole world's on strike and now succession's over. God damn it. Um, we're going to be showing movies. I can't wait to watch Spider-Verse again through this fucking projector because our, our previous projector was nice and, and Spider-Verse looked vivid and shit. But oh, my God, with this Barco, son, it might be worth flying all the way to smog castle just to watch that but mark is coming to smog castle and it's 25th we're doing fat man beyond live on august 25th just like we did it in march and then august 26th we're doing a double feature that mark conceived of called keep calm and curry on a salute to tim curry the first show is clue and the second show is legend two shows for the price of one and then me and mark will get up and Q and A for movies we had nothing to do with. Nope. You can get those Bam. tickets right now at podcastcinemas.com. And look, Bamf Man's here. He's probably here to remind us that, that. on June 19th. Is that what you're nodding about? Yeah, June 19th in I was getting, California. I was getting there. You didn't, you didn't have any fucking trust in me. You didn't have any faith in me. <laughs> I know how to sell, JC. Don't trigger me and send me back to the nut house. I'm a good boy. Save <laughs> myself. But JC's right. Uh, June 19th, me and Mark, if you're like in Los Angeles, like all the cool shit happens in New Jersey, which nobody ever said ever, we are going to be doing <laughs> Batman Beyond live again, just like we did for the 400th episode, right here in Los Angeles, in the city of Angles, um, June 19th. Juneteenth, if you will. Is that correct? No, yes. Come and buy me drinks for Juneteenth. That's right. <laughs> Uh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> reparations, <laughs> liquid reparations. Uh, June nineteenth, tickets are on sale right now. Now come in, Banff man, because now we need information. Where do they get them tickets? Banff, uh, Fatman six nineteen dot eventbrite dot com. It's up on the screen if you want to do that. I'll put it oh, in the chat easy. as well. What an easy address to remember. <laughs> Couldn't come up with a tinier six one nine dot. Slash HTM. We had a good ass time at the last show, live show that we did at uh awesome. and Villainy Cantina. Banff man wears many hats, kids. Like today he's wearing that hat right now. But <laughs> when he's not doing this show, facilitating this show, making sure that you can all see it from the privacy of your own home, he's running the best damn watering hole that is not fucking breaking any copyright or trademark <laughs> laws ever uh, called the scum and villainy cantina right here in hollywood hollywood boulevard you've seen it on this show come be at it 
on Juneteenth, man, June 19th, when me and Mark do Fat Man Beyond. That's the weekend after Flash Open. So I'll be in Jersey doing the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Watch Flash with Kev. And then we're going to talk about it at fucking at uh, Scum and Villainy Cantina on the 19th. I'm on, I'm bi-coastal, bitch. I'm bi as fuck. Oh, hell yeah. Bye-bye, boys. You've uh, always been. I have been. Some people have been asking me in chat, they're like, where are you moving? New York or New Jersey or L.A.? The answer is both. Um, we'll be buying a house here in Los Angeles when we eventually buy a house. But I have an apartment above Smodcastle, so I don't need to buy anything there. I just That's where I go stay when I'm on the East Coast. So tickets everywhere. If you're on the East Coast, if you're on the West Coast, you come see me and Mark uh, either place. Only in August for Mark, but me, you can see me practically every fucking weekend in New Jersey. I mean, maybe I'll come back in October. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll come up with a punny reason to come back to the theater in October. You should for the hunt for Dead October. Yeah, a couple horror movies we can program. Do you, ooh, that is a good pun right there. Do you think the strike will be over by then? God, I hope so. <laughs> That'd be great, <laughs> but I think so. You're going to have to start making your living as a live entertainer, my friend. I know. I'm going to need a, a road show. I'm going to need like a, one of them traveling vans that I can fill with my tchotchkes to sell. That Or just fucking do Fat Man Beyond. We just go places and do the same show live. Like we used to do. We used to yeah. do that a lot. But so we do it again. Where the strike goes on and on. That's like you just build multiple fucking dates. You go out there in the world. Because I'll tell you something. A prophet is never accepted in his hometown. Mm -hmm. Here... New Jersey, people are like, ah, we've seen it. We take this show to fucking Kentucky. We take this show to Nebraska. We take this show to fucking Ohio. We live like fat rats and kings. Charge any price we want. $100 to meet some quasi-celebrities with a whiff <laughs> of entertainment about them. They put on a show. They did something. I'm not sure if it was entertainment, but they talked for nine hours. They did. They talked a long time. Mostly they bitched about the strike. But we'll do it in your hometown, kids. Close to you. Never mind fucking you streaming and watching it and shit like that. Be there in the room where it happens. As that Coming to your house. Song said, yeah, fucking you pay us enough. We'll literally come to your house and stream there. We should offer that, man. There are crazy people out there. That would just be like, oh my God, I'll, I'll pay you guys 30 grand to stream the show from my house. Done I, and done. I remember the Foo Fighters, I want to say it was like 10 years ago. They did a thing called the Garage Tour where they would just go around the country and play in people's garages. Like they'd make, you know, they'd make contact with people at like garage bands. Like, you know what? The Foo Fighters are going to show up to your house, set up their gear in your garage, and play a concert for your friends. And I thought that was always fun. It's like, yeah, no, we'll come to your living room. We'll watch a movie with you. We'll talk about it. Maybe they'll stream it from your house. It'll cost you a thousand dollars an hour. I mean, that's that's a little low for heaven's sakes. I mean, I'm trying to make it a bargain first. Don't. 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 We need the money. We're fucking out of work writers for heaven's sake. <laughs> um, before we dive into our show content, kids, before we talk about Spider-Man colon across the Spider-Verse, um, a movie that um well we'll hold the thought um perhaps we should uh bring up our sponsor our first of two sponsors for the evening man indeed um, the good folks at native who we absolutely love 
our first sponsor of the evening, putting us in front of you, giving us the money that requires us is required in order for us to stream this into homes everywhere and stuff. Uh, native folks, uh, give your skin the protection it deserves with Native's mineral sunscreens. Go to nativedeo.com slash fatman. Follow along as we talk about them. Uh, or use the promo code fatman at checkout. You're going to get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash fatman. Or use the promo code fatman at checkout. nativedeo.com slash fatman or promo code fatman. Now, you know Native. They're amazing. Uh, they, we, they've been a sponsor of ours for a while, man. They make the, the good smelling this shit and the mm. good smelling this shit. You're like, what are they selling now, man? Sunscreen. Why? Cause it's the summer, man. I love the feeling of soaking up the sun this time of year. That feels like a lie. I'm usually indoors. All right. <laughs> let, me, let me reword this. Okay. Sometimes I'm forced to leave my house and I have to soak up the sun this time of year or if you're a striking writer like Mark Bernardin and I, you're spending a lot of time under the goddamn sun lately. Mm-hmm. Normally, writers are in a dark pit with no <laughs> lights on doing this shit. But now, lately, we're on lines holding up picket signs and shit. Uh, with all that time in the sun, you're always worried about protecting the skin, right? But with native sunscreen, you can give skin the protection it needs and as you soak up some much-needed sun. Take it away, Mark. Native's quickly absorbing, ultra sheer, hydrating, and lightweight sunscreen formula offers broad spectrum SPF 30 protection from both UVA and UVB rays. All native sunscreen is made with a 20% active zinc oxide formula that is dermatologist tested and suitable for your sensitive skin. We all have sensitive skin, kids, particularly around our taint. So, yes. yeah. so if you're doing, you know, face down, ass up in the sun. Get yourself some of that native. And it's the summertime. If you're not doing face down, ass up, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) All native sunscreen is made from oils derived from plants that seal in skin moisture and is vegan and cruelty free. You can choose from one of native's three delicious but subtle scents like coconut and pineapple, rosé, or sweet peach and nectar for your face and body and taint. Or try natives. Choose coconut and pineapple. Yeah. Oh, I'm a sweet peach for my sweet peaches. Are you really? Yeah. Peach has a smell. Sure it does. I smells mean, like peach. Has a very strong smell. Coconut has a very strong smell. It smells like a fucking pina colada. I like to smell like a mixed drink. So <laughs> I like to smell like a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> Booze and alcohol. Um, or native does have an unscented option if you prove if you decide to let your other scent take over. You want your natural cassoulet to to creep through man then you use that unscented option with all native sunscreens you're going to get protection from the sun that is free of chemical accidents oxybenzone octanoxate and avabenzone man which makes native sunscreen compliant with the hawaii act 104 which was passed in an effort to protect hawaii's reefs man come on don't fucking don't get in trouble with Hawaii's 5-0, for heaven's sake. No, Jason Momoa will come and kick your fucking ass. He will, man. If you saw the Fast X movie, like I didn't, you'll know that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. That movie did not do well at, at Smodcastle. I'll tell you that right now. I walked into the theater, <laughs> two, opened the door. There was literally nobody in the in the 4 o'clock screening, 7 o'clock screening, one guy by himself. I felt so bad. I went in. I was like, you all right, buddy? 
He was like, this is the way I like it. I was like, fair enough. And I fucked off. Yeah, it's like I bought the whole theater out just for me. I know. Dude could have jerked off in the theater. And, you know, we only only way we would have known is if he left a mess to clean up. But there ain't going to be no mess with Native kids. I'll tell you that right now. Give your skin the protection it deserves with Native's mineral sunscreens. Go to nativedeo.com slash fatman or use the promo code fatman at checkout. You're going to get 20% off your first order, you little fuck. Yeah, I said it. That's nativedeo.com slash fatman or use the promo code fatman at checkout. One more time for the people who are like, what did he say? Nativedeo.com slash fatman or use the promo code fatman. We love the folks, the good folks at Native, and they seemingly love us. Either that or they must have a big ad spend that they got to spread out, but they always <laughs> tend to sponsor this show. And God damn it, we appreciate it, particularly in these strike addled times. So we thank the good folks at Native for their constant support. Indeed. And now, on with the countdown. Number 48. <laughs> oh, Bam Fan's back, everybody. You touched on something I've always wondered. As a theater owner, if nobody buys a ticket, do you still show the movie to an empty theater? What an interesting question from Banff Man. Uh, why didn't you put that in Super Chat and pay us $200 to ask that? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you right now, I asked that question fairly recently of Smodcastle Keeper Ernie O'Donnell. What happens if nobody comes? He goes, we play the movie for the first 10 minutes and then shut it off. So if you've ever asked, like, if, if a movie happens, nobody comes, did it happen? It happens for 10 minutes and then they <laughs> shut it off. And then if somebody's like, oh, my God, I couldn't find parking in this one horse town. I, I just I, I, I'm, I'm here to see the fucking four o'clock show and it's 410. Guess what we do at Smog Castle Cinemas? We start it from the beginning for you. Really? That's how we roll at Smog Castle Cinemas, man. Because we believe in the customer because there's only like nine of them ever. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't fuck with the next show that's supposed to run for nobody. There's always a bit of time built in, but that would require somebody to show up for the next show. <laughs> Telling you right now, man, film exhibition, at least in our theater. I'm hoping that Barco projector changes things, but, you know, no, no complaints, man. I didn't buy a movie theater to get rich. I bought a movie theater so I could do any fucking thing I want. And I, I do all the time. We do fucking shows. My shows are always fucking fairly well attended and packed. I mean, for Jaws, we had like 125, 130 people or something like that. That's strong. They could have watched that shit at home. Could have watched it on their fucking phone. But people are like, ooh, I want to see it on the big screen. So guess what we're going to do every year? Jaws. Um, mm. Red State, we had like 75 people show up. I watched all three movies that week. And I sat in the back. On my, we got Apple boxes, you know, for, that you get on movie sets and shit like that. Mm -hmm. I sit in the back of my Apple box, lean against the back wall. I watched the fuck out of some Jaws. I watched the fuck out of some fucking Red State. Red State's a goddamn good movie. I know it's gross if I say it because I'm a filmmaker, but fucking Michael Parks is magic. You know what we did, too? After uh, Hollywood Babylon, uh, Josh Roush made a movie called Long Lonesome Highway about Michael Parks, the late, great Michael Parks. It was a Quentin favorite and a Kevin Smith favorite as well. What a great documentary it was. Um, and he's about to get the interview with Quentin that he hasn't had for all this time. Uh, that's the kind of thing you can do when you own a movie theater. So I don't give a shit if people don't show up to see Fast Dex. You know, whatever. Fucking go ahead. You go to the car, Mikey, and watch it. You go to 
fucking AMC and watch it. Don't support a mom and pop shop, you little jerk. I'll still be fucking putting asses in seats with fucking Jersey Girl Uncut and Hollywood Babylon. And I'm coming off drunk, aren't I? Mad at I mean, the world. A little, a little, a little uh, Orson Welles and Citizen Kane. It's the Celsius, man. It's, it's grape. It's like wine. So I'm like, hey, it's, hey, you. It's like hey. caffeinated wine. It is. It's heavily <laughs> caffeinated wine. Um, all right, man. So while I was at Smodcastle Cinemas, guess what I watched? Tell me what you watched. Little Mermaid? I, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. And look, I ain't saying it's not well made. It's incredibly well made. In fact, at one point, about 20 minutes into it, when I was like, there's two hours left. Um, I was sitting there thinking, like, it's crazy, man. They got, uh, what's her name? Um, Melissa McCarthy. McCarthy. Like, just slithering around the bottom of the ocean floor as if she's really doing that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And like, and then and then there's a little girl, Haley Barry, Bailey, Bailey, Haley Bailey, Haley Bailey. Is that her name? Holly Bailey. Oh, Holly, Haley Bailey, be a lot cuter. Holly, <laughs> Holly Bailey. Mm-hmm. She's fucking jetting around under the sea, trademark, and like moving and swimming fast. And I'm taking it for granted, like she's one of them wiki watchy mermaids and shit with the fake tail. But all this shit had to be put together, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're all wearing green and dots all over their faces. And then they fucking put it. It is crazy, man. The amount of craftsmanship that goes into the, that fucking shit. And it's seamless. Like I was like, wow, Melissa McCarthy looks like a giant octopus woman who's moving around, you know, in real time. Uh, is Even though I work in the movie business, sometimes I forget that a lot of shit is like trickery. Mm. And this movie looked... Absolutely fucking phenomenal. Rob Marshall directed it. Um, yep. You know, and he did Chicago, right? Yeah. Fucking, I love Chicago. So even if even if Little Mermaid, you know, sucked, I would I'd still give him fucking credit for doing Chicago. But it didn't suck. It was well made. It didn't need to be two hours and fifteen minutes long. I'll tell you that much right now. No, and and I also think that like like I saw it and had an emotional response to it, separated from the movie itself. Um, because you know, I, I if you're gonna make it two and a half hours, two fifteen, whatever it was, then like, hey, you know, it'd be great. Why is Ursula so awful? <laughs> like, what's her story? What's her deal? Does it just need to be like, oh, I want, I want what my brother has. I, I want. Why does she have such a mad on for Ariel? Why, why is she the way she is? Also, were they related in the cartoon? I don't remember. I don't that hit me. I bumped into that a little bit when she was like my brother. I was like, wait, that I think that's new. Yeah. But like, give me that motivation. Give me a new Ursula song that explains why she is, why she is, how she is. Um, oh, instead they gave Prince Eric a fucking song. Yeah, who did not need Which, a whole you know, new song. Lovely dude, how you know, in terms of guy who played him, God bless, but like fucking, I don't need to hear that guy sing. No, um, not not the actor, the fucking character. It's like he gives a fuck what's on his mind, yeah. especially because he's not singing to anybody. Like he's just walking along the beach, just like belting a number. And it's like, well, if it's not going to be too Ariel, if it's not going to be to her, his mother, if it's not going to be to a person, then I don't need Eric's. I want song. It's just we being like, I want to fuck a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I fuck a fish? He's naming all the fishes he loves. He wishes he could fuck. Like, no, I certainly want to fuck a blowfish. <laughs> um, 
you know, and then, and then I, I didn't understand. I mean, a, there's always a weirdness about that story that like, Oh, right. You need to steal the woman's voice. You need to steal her agency, her ability to communicate in order for her to fall in love. Like there's the weird, the, the, the lack of agency of Ariel is somewhat astonishing in that story. And some of it you just can't get away from because it's there. Um, and then the end of the movie, spoiler, in case you've never seen The Little Mermaid, um, her father, King Triton, at the end, after hating all humans, comes around and decides maybe humans aren't so bad. You know, flash forward another couple hundred years and yeah, humans are the worst. Um, but he has to make this choice about saying, well, I just I'll never see you again because now you're going to live in man's world. It's like, bro, she could also come and visit like you could give her the power to have her tail and then have legs at will. She could be a transformer if you yeah. needed her to be. She's got a magic fucking fork. He's got yeah. to do anything with the Trident, man. Just make well, it. Well, really, he can't. He, he, does, he does. It's weird. The Trident blows shit up or fucking gives people <laughs> legs. <laughs> <laughs> it's really ill-defined, man. <laughs> <laughs> go to the store and buy a trident what does this one do well yeah. sir you'll love this feature <laughs> yeah you, you'll, basically they'll do different shit this one blows shit up or gives people legs he's like oh man i was looking for one that would i was looking for a salad fork he's like well we got one of those too but it blows the salad up yeah um I, the uh you know my kid was like oh my god i want to watch the little mermaid and i was like oh my god like are you kidding me we could watch fucking guardians we can watch across the spider verse but like i was reduced you know almost like my kid was not 23 but in fact three or four and she was like i want to watch the little mermaid and just like i did back in the day look look you know i i saw the little mermaid when i had no children and no wife and i fucking lugged that shit up you know what fuck you i love the little mermaid the cartoon um is amazing and mm -hmm. You know, fucking is a makes you tear up. The old one is when I saw it when I was a, in my late teens, early twenties. It made me emotional and shit. But you know, life goes on, and fucking the idea of sitting there watching the live action remake. This was my first live action Disney remake. I did not see Jungle Book. I did mm -hmm. not see The Lion King. I did not see Beauty and the Beast. I my guess years ago was once they bought Pixar. They were going to remake all their old classic cartoons, but in Pixar format, like 3D. Yeah, which would have I would have been I would have honestly I would have been more into that personally. But who? What do I fucking know? Because they print money with these live action versions and shit. Where it's like, hey man, remember that cartoon? This is what it would look like if real people were doing it. <laughs> and people love it. Now you know I ain't saying Disney's dumb. They're smart as fuck because they get a second bite at the IP Apple all new and they don't have to pay anyone who was in the old one and shit like that you know it costs them a pretty penny to do it but it seems like they're reaping all the benefits although you know fucking i read an article about how uh overseas they're like we don't we don't want this you know and there could be some some racist edge to all that yeah yeah because of course there was always going to be it was it was part of the like we're not going to put john boyega on the poster for these star wars movies because you know turns out that maybe china and south korea don't feel the same way about black people as some of the rest of the world do what's that all about i mean <laughs> hey mark <laughs> figure out racism on the show <laughs> Ex explain to me racism and also international racism 
I'm pretty sure you got a handle on America's racism. You're pretty smart. <laughs> you seem to know a lot of shit. You know a lot about the writer's strike. Well, why are people racist, Mark? Yeah, do you have a hot five on racism? Just go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. Fucking that little girl, Holly Bailey. Yeah. Fucking incredible. Incredible voice. Wonderful performance. I bought that she was a fucking mermaid, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than that, like that singing was off the charts, fucking impressive. That must have been like why they chiefly hired her. Like, listen to that fucking voice. Like, she don't need like the her dad's magic fork to have a voice that beautiful. She's just a real ass person with a voice that beautiful. So <laughs> it's tough not to get emotional when she's singing like fucking part of that world, you know, fucking. Mm-hmm. She brings it out of you, even though I've heard that song a zillion fucking times. She sang it, and I was like, Jesus, I, I want to be. I wish I was a fish who wanted to be a human being, and I'm a human being. Like, I got there. I'm at the finish line. <laughs> I, I got exactly what she wants, <laughs> and yet her singing so beautiful, it made me want more. Yes. Of being that thing that I am. Let so, me tell you about legged privilege, Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, when she was singing, I was like, kid. It ain't that great on the land. Trust yeah. me. I'm sorry. It's awful up here. Yeah. I mean, down there, what? Sharks? That's your biggest fucking fear? Like, up here? Home invasion. <laughs> Two words. Home invasion. Yeah. Just don't go where the sharks are. It's fine. <laughs> that shark scene looked wicked, too. It was incredibly well made. Yeah. Uh, did I need to see this? No. Did I see it because, you know, I still love my kid and I was reduced to, uh, a, you know, fucking suddenly i'm looking at this 23 year old and i see the little girl that i would take to the movies all the time yes absolutely so i'm glad i did it but you know two hours and 15 minutes at midnight that's when we started watching this fucker oh we yeah, there you uh, go. 11 o'clock actually more than 11 and it was you know oh yeah fucking they're still underwater um but it was a beautiful experience and the movie looks great and if you're into that sort of thing by all means, go see it and stuff. But it was not the best movie I saw that weekend. That's the best fair. movie I saw this weekend, the past weekend, and perhaps the best movie I saw all year thus far. Um, and I don't know if you count this shit as a movie because you're like, you fucking cartoon, but bullshit. Anything that evokes the power of storytelling and fucking emotion that this movie evoked has to be fucking cinema. With apologies to Mr. Martin Scorsese was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I saw this movie one and a half times. I loved it so fucking much. Oh, my God. It was, you know, this was the thought that I fucking had. We are all nerds now. Like, this is something that only you and I, fucking 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, would have been able to completely parse and understand. But this movie is so well made, and and they've, all these fucking storytellers who've been pillaging comic book material now for a decade or more have trained the average moviegoer in the language, a secret language that people like us only used to speak amongst our nerdy selves and whatnot, that you can make a movie that deals with the multiverse and has a zillion different Spider-Men in it and everyone gets the concept, nobody bumps into it, at all it's fucking commonplace for them this played like a graphic novel come to life and all i could think was that quote from the from the the incredibles 
when syndrome is like, you know, when everyone's super, then no one will be. When all of us are nerds, then no one will be. And that's where we are right now, because anybody can understand these concepts that heretofore, maybe a decade back, would have been rarefied breathing for people that grew up reading this shit and cataloging these stories and characters in their minds. What used to be the edge, what used to be, you know, fucking for the few is now for the many. And I'm fucking here for it. I know some people get threatened by that with like, oh, man, it was cooler when I liked it. Nobody else did. I don't have a garage band mentality. The more the fucking merrier. And as I sat there watching this movie, we had on Sunday night, you know, I tell you, we don't get a lot of people coming to the movies. Sunday night we had, was it Sunday night or Monday? Night? We had like 46 people at our night show, which is like fucking unheard of and shit. So the movie's doing very well at our theater. Um, and not a single one of them got up and left because they're like, what? I don't get it. Why are there so many Spider-Men? Everyone fucking understood this thing from start to finish. And it's quality fucking storytelling. Do you know how hard it is to follow up uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? An incredibly original story, well told by Lord and Miller. Like, I'll be honest with you, going into this, I was like, there's no way it could touch the original. It not only touches the original, there are times where I'm like, did this surpass the original? I loved it so fucking much. Um, they went deep on the parents this time, which I guess know your audience, right? Like fucking mm -hmm. they got the kids coming anyway. So they're like, let's give the parents something to go on. So his mom and dad get way more screen time than they did even in the first one. And and uh, Spider-Gwen gets fucking almost equal billing in terms yeah. of- She, she opens the movie. Like the first 20 the minutes are Spider-Gwen. In a really beautiful way. Um, but this is truly a Miles Morales story. And once again, proves the insane viability of this character. And the, and the uh, you know, I know the spoilers thing is up, but I don't want to spoil too hard. But the reason, you know, in the trailers, if you haven't seen it yet, they, they, they see all the Spider-Men and women are chasing fucking Miles Morales and stuff. And I remember watching the trailers and being like, I wonder what that's about. Why? The reason they came up for why you know, he's a threat. Why the bad guys essentially are all the fucking Spider-Man. Yeah, yes, the spot is in it and he's ultimately the big bad, but really it's Spider-Man versus Spider-Men and women. And the reason they came up for it, I thought it was nothing short of fucking brilliant. I was like, never in a million years. If they gave me, if they were like, Kev, we want you to do the sequel. I wouldn't come up with anything nearly as fucking good. Like it was fantastic from beginning to end and visually fucking vibrant. This is the best looking animated film I think I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. It's a work of art. They should hang it up in the Guggenheim. It's fucking so beautiful to look at. And I hope to God they give a lot of credit to Bill Sienkiewicz. Because when I watch these, both the first one and this one, I see so much fucking Bill Sienkiewicz work in there. Particularly Daredevil, like Love and Death. Um, I, you know, last time we had Kingpin as a fucking, as an incredible big bad. This time we have the spot who starts off kind of goofy and then becomes like so goofy that like his secret origin is he's the guy that fucking Miles hits with a bagel. In the first movie. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. He's like, you hit me with a bagel. And I was like, he's the bagel, bagel guy. guy. <laughs> but they start him off as, as you know, he gets put down as villain of the week and shit. And they build him up into something fucking horrible. 
with good reason where it makes sense where you're like you know what man fucking like i can see that i mean not like i could see that happening in the real world but they bring the collider back and that makes a lot of sense all of it fucking tracks and makes sense and fucking works and oscar isaacs is fucking phenomenal as little as he is in the movie they make it seem like he's never into the movie but he might as well be for the time he's in it because he owns the fucking screen um doing miguel uh spider-man 2099 like i remember when they put him at the tail end of into the spider-verse and i was like oh that's cute mm. they made him fucking a, a insanely wonderful viable fucking character um man oh god oh i love this movie so much and i look forward to watching it again now that we're putting that barco projector in i'm gonna watch it in fucking pristine laser projection at my own goddamn theater smog castle cinemas in atlantic highlands new jersey um i i loved it top to bottom start to finish best movie of the year so far for me now i haven't seen the flash yet and i'll be honest with you even if the flash sucks as long as they got michael keaton in a batman suit Probably <laughs> <my> fucking both, <laughs> but this movie was absolutely phenomenal. I did not know how they were going to fucking stick the landing after the first one, which was incredible, and won an Academy Award. They stand a great chance at repeating that, and there's going to be a third part, so it could be a fucking three peat. Fucking Lord and Miller could win three Oscars for in for the Spider Verse movies, and I, for one, would be there for it. I loved it so fucking much, man. Over to you. Um, I I if you if you're like an, an A plus on it, I'm kind of a B plus on it. In that, like, I'm always here for Miles Morales. I'm always here for his parents. There's moments of that movie that hit me, you know, like as a as a dad who has a kid who just came back from his freshman year of college. You know, when when Rio has a conversation with Miles about like when you go off into that world, like you're going to meet a lot of people like it's it's the like, remember who you are. Don't forget where you came from. You know, I hope you can love that little boy as he becomes a man as much as I do and take care of him. Like all of that stuff was just, you know, tear jerky, just wiping my face the entire time I'm watching that movie. Um I think that like the design work, the animation is glorious and wonderful. I think Spider Punk is this phenomenal new addition that like I never read those books. Like you know my my deep was that run. real? Was that does that does he come from a spider? I'm not even sure if he does. Like that's that's the that's the, how much I don't know about um, where they've taken the Miles Morales story in the comics and how deep they've gone with that stuff, but. Daniel Kaluuya as the the non-conforming anarchist Spider-Man was just fucking awesome. Every bit of that was great. And even looking at, you know, as I was watching some deep dive on TikTok about it, even in the animation styles where um, all of the other Spider-Men are animated on the ones, which means that every frame you have a new pose in the frame. It makes it very fluid. Miles is animated on the twos, which means that there's two frames before Miles changes pose. That signifies that he's out of step with the other Spider-Man. It makes him a little bit more jagged, a little bit more stuttery, a little bit more comic booky. And Spider-Punk is on the threes. Like he's out of step with everybody because he won't conform to either, you know, the fluidity or the, the weird herky-jerky. And like, I thought that stuff was great. My, my, my sole issues with the movie, like I have two, two of them. And one is that Spot isn't a great bad guy um, only because even Miles doesn't consider him his villain. 
and he doesn't really, he impacts the larger plot. He doesn't at all affect Miles's story. He feels like he's a plot device more than he's a villain for, for Spider-Man. Whereas Miguel is a hundred percent a villain for Spider-Man. Like the idea that, you know, and we're like light spoilers, but not deep spoilers, but the idea that for Miguel, keeping the order of the multiverse is the prime directive for him. And Miles himself is an aberration in the multiverse. Miles signifies everything that, that Miguel it's is the original, the original anomaly, he said. Yeah, like, you know, the spider that was supposed to go um, to a different universe gets shunted into Miles's universe and bites him, which means that there's a universe without a Spider-Man that's not supposed to not have a Spider-Man. And so the no, idea... He also blamed Miles for the death of that universe's Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, he doesn't die unless... Chris Pine, the Chris Pine Spider-Man. Right. Who was a great Spider-Man by all lights and was the protector of that particular New York. And so that idea that that canon is inviolable, you know, that there is something incredibly subversive about that idea. The, you know, the, the diehard fan who doesn't brook any deviations from canon, as opposed to the people who are like, hey, man, just give me the one that's cool. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the 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 dilemma of the movie. And I just felt so much more deeply about Miles and Miguel's story than I did about the spot. Um, but I also think that like there's there's an emotional disconnect for me in the first half of the movie seems to be about Miles's story with his parents, which are you didn't show up on time, you're always late, you know, we we don't want you to leave home, we don't want you to go to Princeton, we don't want you to, to stray. We want to keep you close, but we also want you to remember who you are to the end of the movie, which is you're a mistake, Miles. Like you never should have happened. You never should have been a Spider-Man. Your, your presence has destroyed a, a part of the multiverse and we've got to fix it. Like those two things aren't necessarily in line with each other. And so I just kind of, I was hoping that there would be an emotional consistency there. And for the first half of the movie, Miles doesn't really have a plot. Like he's just chasing Gwen around. Like he's lonely and sad, and then Gwen shows up and he's following Gwen. And by following Gwen, he ends up in this in in danger. He ends up in Manhattan, the Indian version of Manhattan, which is he was delightful too. And he's great. That voice is the guy from Deadpool, right? Yeah, yeah. He was fun, absolutely fucking lovely. I was a wonderful addition. And is that also a real Spider-Man? There's a lot of people in chat who said Spider Punk is in comics dan slot co-created the character so i'm i'm Im imagining that the spider-man from from Mumbatten is also straight out the comic books yeah i mean none of that would surprise me and it's so well done um like there's never a minute where i'm watching that movie that i had a bad time in it you know it's always enjoyable it's always vibrant i mean i think that like the way that they're pushing art in these movies is so remarkable like all the gwen stacy stuff and like these weird bleeding pastels and it is just all emotional tone they're not even aiming for realism like realism is the least thing they're concerned about in the gwen stacy stuff it's all the relationship between her and her band and her and herself and her and her dad you know was all incredibly just well drawn and well well realized i just i just kind of like there's there's a nudge more that i was hoping for in the emotional story and and in giving Miles a bit more to do when he's on screen, um, but those are I'm not going to say they're small quibbles, but like I still had a blast at this movie. I just it, it for me is not as as resonant and emotional a movie as the first one is, and that's hard to do. The Into the Spider Verse 
is maybe the best superhero movie I've ever seen. You know, easy top three. You know, so to not achieve those heights, I don't blame a movie for not being able to achieve those heights. Those heights are impossible to achieve. The what's up danger scene. There's nothing in this movie that's as emotional as that is in that movie. You know, the what's up danger scene is this perfect encapsulation of, of what it means to become a hero, what it means to synthesize all those versions of yourself. The kid who's not sure of himself, the kid who's not sure his dad's going to like him, the kid who's not sure that the spider people are going to like him. He's not sure he can do the thing, but believes he can. And is still a little bit of afraid that he can't, but jumps off the building anyway. Like that scene is just, you know, it's it's perfect. And there is no scene like that in Across the Spider-Verse. Maybe they didn't try for it. Maybe they realized, yeah, we can't do that again. Let's try something else. Um, so I can't even hold it against the movie for not being able to achieve perfection twice because that's that's an that's an incredibly long order. Did you bump into it being a cliffhanger? Um, I bumped into it being a cliffhanger only because it doesn't really cliffhang the way like Empire cliffhangs. Empire cliffhangs on tragedy, right? Like this cliffhangs on plot, not emotion. Explain. You know, Empire cliffhangs on, oh my God, my father is the villain that, we, that we've been fighting this whole time. I lost my hand. I lost my friend. Like the, the rebels are on their last fucking legs. Like, oh shit, I don't know if they're going to come back from this. Whereas this, like, Miles hasn't lost anything yet. You know, his dad is still his dad and still alive. Gwen's dad is still a captain. All the captains that we've been told we should be afraid we're going to lose, we haven't lost yet. You know, Miguel hasn't done the awful thing yet. Spot hasn't done the awful thing yet. So Miles is just lost, which is bad, but it's not apocalyptically bad. And that's kind of what I was hoping for. Something like, holy shit, what's he going to do now? And like, we kind of know what he's going to do after this cliffhanger. That question isn't necessarily unresolved, but it just, it didn't, like, it didn't bother me that they cliff hung. I just wish it was a little bit more perilous, the cliff we were hanging off of. I had, I had a distant memory of the fact that they were like, oh, it's going to be two parts. Yeah. That I completely forgot right up until to be continued. <laughs> I was sitting there going like, wow, man, how are they going to get out of this now? Like, this is works close to the bone and shit. And there was no what's up danger moment, which means <laughs> that could probably happen in part three if it was a movie split in two. Right. It totally could, you know, and like, it's not an origin story anymore. And so that's very much an origin moment. It's the, oh, now you're Spider-Man. This is the moment you become Spider-Man. This is the moment you become the hero that you're going to be. Um, and like, yeah, they could have they could have teed up an audience a bit better that it's a cliffhanger because, yeah, there were a couple of people in the theater that I was in who were like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, just like out loud, didn't know that Drew this was D, a two-parter. Drew D in chat just said the crowd moaned at my theater. Like when mm. it ended, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was okay with it, man. As it look, as a theater owner, I was like, "Yes, bring them back, bring them back in a few months, <laughs> please." I need the help. This is the new Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> um, you didn't find it emotional that his uncle Aaron was alive. I mean, I mean in a you know world. Yeah, I mean, I I did, but it's that is not necessarily the answer to the question that had been posed about Miles. In the, in the rest of the story leading up to it. Um, 
it's an interesting twist. I mean, it's a Twilight Zone episode, right? Like he ends up in this new world where he's the villain and his dad is dead, but his uncle's alive. And like, which one would I've rather had? Like, but we know that he'd rather his dad back. We know he'd like to have his uncle back too. We know that, you know, it's, if the, if the movie had been, you don't understand me, dad, the way uncle Aaron understood me, you know, uncle Aaron knew who I was and accepted me for who I was, but you dad keep wanting to force me to be a version of you. And so at the end of that, to discover like, Oh shit, my dad is dead, but Aaron is here. And Aaron, this Aaron might understand me. And Oh, but wait, this Aaron is evil again. And Oh wait, my dad is dead. Like it, it, it then inverts the question that he'd been asking for the movie. Um, but like, again, I, I, I deeply liked this movie. Like I kind of adored it. Um, these are in no way like, you know, world ending knocks for me. Like, you know what? Fuck it. This movie is awful because these two things I didn't like. There's so much about this movie to love. There's so much about this movie. I mean, Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy is doing amazing work. I mean, Shamik Moore as Miles continues to do amazing work. You know, all of that stuff with, I mean, his parents and even just a little throwaway fucking gags of like when, you know, <laughs> when the, the guidance counselor played by Rachel Dratch is like, it's a great American story. She's like, oh, it's a great immigrant story. She's like, we're from Puerto Rico, which is <laughs> part of America. <laughs> and Miles is like, no, I mean, we're like Dominican. And his mother snap, her mother snaps his fingers and the snap is the colors of the Puerto Rican flag. And it's like, it's just, the, it's the bagel shit. It's just these little like things that they tossed in there to make it, you know, deep and layered in texture. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's done with such care and such love that I can't ever. Kate Blix did chat says the universe 42 spider was supposed to bite the alternate prowler miles. Yeah, maybe. Cause I think they did say like, Earth 42 or some such shit. Mm -hmm. That's why he goes to the wrong universe is because that's, that's what the go home machine keys off of. Yes. Is the 42. Right. So that meant that that spider was supposed to bite that miles. And instead that miles becomes a prowler. Yeah. Or, or that spider was about, supposed to bite that Peter Parker. We don't know that part of it either. Um, um, but, Langley M. Neely in chat says, reminds me of Dune, a good film that truly depends on the rest of the story to be great. Would you back that? Um, that's that's a pretty good read. You know, like it, it doesn't have any resolution in it. Um, you know, like there's there's a version of that story where where Miles deals with the spot and then reveals Miguel as the big bad going into three. You know, at least I would have some feeling of like, oh, he did the thing. Like, oh, shit. No, it's even worse than you thought. Um, but yeah, this does feel like it's going to need the other half to make it, to tell us the whole story. Salvatore said it was 100% in the movie that the 42 spider was supposed to bite Alt Miles. I, I don't remember that because I do remember him saying something about, I thought he said something. But no, he said when they were talking about the Peter Parker from miles world right because he'd be in order for him to duck like that. right like he died saving miles because miles was there like if you were never there then that peter doesn't die and remains the spider-man of your earth is that true um yeah because i mean i'd have to watch into the spider-verse again but i think it's because that peter parker the chris pine peter parker 
saves Miles. And by saving Miles, he exposes himself to getting the shit kicked out of him by, um, oh, that's by the right. Green Goblin. Swinging and he got like the spider sense. And right. Back and shit. I mean, if that's the case, then fucking hats off to Lord and Miller for like, there's no way when they were writing that movie, they knew they were going to do a fucking sequel. Yeah. There's, that means they had to go back into their own fucking mythology and find these fucking moments on which to build an entire new mythology. These cats, man, are versatile as fuck. Versatile yeah. as fuck. Um, God, I love that fucking movie. Um, somebody else wrote, um, why did they change Miles' dad's name? Did you notice that? Um, in the comics, his name was Jefferson Davis um, and was married to Rio Morales. And I guess she gave Miles her last name, his last name, whatever. Um, and then in this one, yeah, his name is now Jefferson Morales. Um, and I don't know why they changed it. I don't know if there's some other story to be told there. Um, I mean, it was always a thing that, that I sort of wondered because it was like, oh, is Miles adopted? Or is or is is Miles not Jefferson Davis's son? Like, was Miles Morales Rio's son with another guy? And Miles is the adopted, and, and Jeff is the adopted father. But like, it seems as if maybe they don't want to leave that kind of ambiguity in it anymore. And so maybe they just sort of they retconned it. Um, in the chat, we got a back and forth here. John James Rave says it's a blink and you miss it when it shows spider 42 in its universe creeping up on a miles with braids and then delusional patriots fan said no the 42 spider was supposed to bite 42 peter but then nicholas melillo says in the scene where spot is telling his origin with the spider you can see the spider next to miles 42 miles and then the spider gets sucked into the wormhole i mean <laughs> How many fucking, how closely did these people watch that fucking movie? What, you got a copy on home video? Like, how did you see that? I mean, given how much visual information this movie throws at you. It, it's impossible. <laughs> like, there's one moment where I look forward to being able to pause the movie in the future. Because when he's, like, first in the lobby of, you know, fucking the Hall of Spiders or whatever the fuck on uh, New Manhattan or what is it called? Nueva York. Mm. They bang up all the names of the various fucking yeah. Spider-Men. And it's going so fast and it's so distant, you can't fucking read them all. But to see this information, what'd you got? You guys must have been bitten by fucking radioactive spiders yourself to be able to catch that, man. <laughs> uh, Brett Flint says Jefferson didn't want him to have his father's last name. Because uh, Jefferson Davis is, yes, a Confederate general. Uh, uh, Alistair Campbell says, watch Lord and Miller's The Mitchells versus the Machines. Excellent animation and a great story and a really good film. Did you see that? I did. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. It's it's very much, you know, in, in the same regards of me being in my emotions about having a kid um, who's beginning to leave the nest, Mitchells versus the Machines is about a family taking their daughter to drop her off at college for the first time. And I watched that while with my son, while on tours of colleges with him. And so I'm sitting there like crying in my Hyatt pillow while my son's like, that was fun, right? And that was great. I loved it so much. You're right, Dad. I'm fine. Kay Blixt also points out that if Miles' name was Miles Davis, well. Yes. Also super cool. 
but. And then some people are trying to dim the the light of others by saying like all this trivia. It's a Salvatore says it's already all on TikTok and Reddit. Basically, Brittany Nicole said a lot of it's from IMDb trivia. But yeah, but somebody has to see this shit first. Yeah. And, and this movie literally just came out. I watched it one and a half times and I couldn't have told you about that spider moment. There's so much visual information being thrown at you every second of this film like that would be really tough for me to pick up yeah so i mean people that I had to, and it's also like i'm probably too old to be that granular with a movie like this anymore um and that's fine I'm like you know what kids have fun with your finding the tiniest of easter eggs tell me about it at the afternoon Alistair yeah. Campbell, i don't think understood us he goes it's on netflix kevin yeah, Mitchell versus Machines. Yes. Netflix. Oh, oh, I thought he meant fucking Spider Verse. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, Cross the Spider Verse. Oh, it's on. It's on uh, I will check it out. Well, thank you, Alistair Campbell, and thank <laughs> you, Mark, for explaining that. I was about to go hard on Alistair Campbell. Be like, tell me it's on Netflix. Don't be helpful. How dare you? Um, how adorable was like when they they were showing like the captured fucking anomalies and shit. Like <laughs> these are from video games, and they had the Green Goblin. From the fucking like Atari Superman game, like the eight bit, yeah. And how awesome was it to see uh fucking uh what's his fuck Donald, Donald Glover as the Donald prowler Glover show up in the prowler outfit, half a prowler outfit with no mask. <laughs> so they basically like uh visually referenced uh Toby Maguire mm-hmm. and Andrew Garfield, and, and they visually referenced Andrew Garfield and they referenced. Tom Holland by way of Donald Glover and the Prowler and as well as that reference that Miguel makes about Doctor Strange and that little nerd from Earth, blah, 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 blah. blah. Mm -hmm. So that you got to imagine that they're saving Tom Holland for the next one. I mean, it would be amazing if they did. If they didn't. That would be the amazing part. (laughs) If they were like, ah, fuck him. Like, of course he's going to be there. I mean, they got to save something for the fucking third one. Yeah. Um, all that shit, that nerdy shit was fucking phenomenal and so deep cuts. I tell you, man, honestly, like I sat there watching that movie going like, why do I do what I do? Like, I suck. I used to think I was a writer. I couldn't write this shit to save my life. But you made me feel better by being like, it ain't all that. <laughs> I mean, it's good, but it's still got some bumps. <laughs> bro. I, I don't know if anybody ever realized this, but my God, all you have to do is say Spider-Man in a movie. I'm like, Mark, it's brilliant. Give it an Oscar. That's why this Flash movie is going to make my fucking 50s, man. <laughs> Michael Keaton as Batman? What? Did you see the clip that they put up online of him talking about Superman? He's going, so there's a guy named Superman who could stop Zod. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, and he flies and he shoots lasers out of his eyes. And he goes, he flies and he shoots lasers out of his eyes. And he goes, and nobody thought to say, hey, Superman, that's a little on the nose. And then he's like, well, you call yourself Batman. He goes, yeah, I don't call myself super Batman. (laughs) I'm fucking there for it. I saw somebody on Twitter and be like, this is stupid. Fuck you. That's fantastic. (laughs) Somebody on Twitter go like, give a review of the movie saying like this movie is so like self-seferential and fucking dick sucky on the dc universe in their own past movies good yes that's what i want (laughs) 
Fuck yeah, I want Spider-Man No Way Home for the DC Universe, and I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I look yeah. at the trailers and the little fucking spots for fucking Flash, and I'm like, I wouldn't even think to do this shit. This shit's so fucking nerdy and clever. It's beyond my capabilities. And I always thought I was nerdy and clever, but I'm fucking, I'm about to be 53. So I'm an old man. All I can do <laughs> is fucking, I can self-reference Kevin Smith. Boy, you want me, somebody to be clever about Kevin Smith movies, I'm your guy. But fucking, I couldn't do what these cats are doing, man. This is next level fucking storytelling. Um, and, you know, if some people are like, well, that's not real writing, just referencing things that happened before. All writing is referencing things that happened <laughs> Literally. But, you know, this is just referencing some very specific shit. And if your fucking jam is that very specific shit, like Michael Keaton in Batman... Like fucking Spider-Man, like fucking like by throwing up that eight bit green goblin in a little jail cell. I was like, this is this is fucking crazy, crazy, wonderful. God bless these fucking. I don't know if there is a God, Mark, but if there is, I hope he fucking takes Lord and Miller straight to heaven, body and soul. Like they did. <laughs> Blessed mother. Like fucking they don't get to rot in the ground. These fuckers should be canonized for telling fucking comic like truly geeky comic book worthy stories for a mass audience like you know they've been doing this shit for years now taking comic book stories and selling them to the mass audience but this shit is so deep cuts and nooks and fucking crannies i didn't even know there was a spider punk and these fuckers are like making it not only bringing it in but making it work in a way where i'm like how have i missed spider punk all this time <laughs> dear internet deliver unto me spider punk material I got to tell you, man, I'm like, shit like this makes me happy. I've lived this long and in this universe. If I was sucked out of fucking universe 42, good. Because fucking <laughs> what's happening here is a-okay with me. I know we've had some fucking, you know, shitty years recently and fucking the world's falling apart and fucking things are horrible. But my God, the storytelling has really fucking shifted into a place where I'm satisfied. And I live in this world, so what do I give a fuck about the real world? I just stay out of it and shit. Fuck the real world. I live. Fuck the universe. I'm living in the Spider-Verse. I'm living in the Bat-Verse. I know it's a Flash movie, but let's be honest, it's Michael Keaton Batman movie. <laughs> I do think it's possible, and I don't think anybody's ever done this before, that each of these three movies could win the best Oscar in its category. Um, in that... Best animated feature is the Oscar that these movies would win. The first one won it. This one could win it. The third one can win it. And I don't think a trilogy has ever pulled that feat before. Um, maybe with the exception of like the Toy Story movies. Might have hit like one, two, and three, won the best feature um, in its year. Um, but like the Godfather movies haven't all won best picture. <laughs> you know, like the, the best movies ever made you know, it, it, that as a series, have never each of them gotten that highest honor. And look, let's be honest, man. Let's put it on Front Street and shit. There is no such thing as a best picture. There is no be such thing as the greatest movie ever made. Every movie is the greatest movie ever made to somebody. Like, don't matter what it is. Could be Juana Man. That is somebody's favorite fucking movie. Above Deep everything cut. else. And fucking and and maybe even save their life. So there is across the fucking multiverse, every movie that gets made is somebody's fucking favorite movie and stuff. So whenever they're like, this is the best and the gold standard, 
you know, I, 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 whatever. Because at the end of the day, as a guy who's made movies that nobody likes, I got to <laughs> believe, I have to believe, Mark, that every movie is somebody's favorite movie. And that's fucking true. So, I, you know, in the age of social media, what's been very disheartening is to find out how many people don't like something that I love so much and, and believe must be universally beloved. But at the same time, I don't pin my fucking personality on it. So if some motherfucker wants to be like Spider-Verse blows, I'm like, I get it. It's, it ain't for you. You're missing out on some fucking magic because it is for me. You know, it's just like they told me when I was at fucking the Nuthouse, when I was in Sierra Tucson, and I was talking about, um, you know, being in a line of work where it's like some people fucking love you and some people hate you and hate what you make and shit like that. And I've spent like an inordinate amount of time over the last 30 years trying to get the people who don't like me to like me, to see my stuff a different way, to validate me, whatever the fuck. And Kelly Parks, who is my trauma therapist, she goes, she goes, what's your favorite ice cream? And I was like, uh, Oatly makes this chocolate, this oat milk chocolate ice cream, which is fucking amazing. And that was the base of the peanut butter shake that I had from fucking Plant Power, was that Oatly fucking shit. Oatly vanilla. And then they put peanut butter. I said, but that Oatly chocolate shit, like, I'll eat it all fucking day. Like, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, uh, for those that don't know, I'm a vegan. I ain't trying to convince you, so get off my dick. But, like, I don't have access to the full world of ice cream anymore. Because I got a heart condition. That's why I went vegan. Not because I'm fucking woke or whatever the fuck. But I want to wake every morning. And so I fucking went vegan. So I said, this Oatly chocolate's my favorite. And she goes, okay. She goes, what's your least favorite ice cream in the world? And without hesitation, Mark, I was like, oh, fucking rum raisin. Fuck it. Fuck it to death. Why? Who puts raisins in ice cream? Like, what a, what a way to ruin fucking something wonderful, man. You might as well put rabbit fucking shit in it as well. <laughs> and then she goes uh have you ever had rum raisin and i was like no no because why would i eat something with raisins in it why would i i don't even eat raisin bran let alone why would i eat ice cream that has two things i don't fucking ingest rum and fucking raisins so no i've never had rum raisin fuck it and she's like okay all you need to remember for the rest of your life to navigate this world is that you will always be somebody's rum raisin kevin like, they're not even going to taste you. You're just not their fucking ice cream. They just don't want you. It's going, but you're going to be a lot of people's fucking, what is your favorite? I said, Oatly chocolate. She's like, you're going to be a lot of people's Oatly, cho Oatly chocolate. And just accept that and move on. And that fucking changed my life. Uh, you know, that's a, a golden nugget of information that has made life more easy to navigate for me. Understanding that like, same vitriolic reaction I had to rum raisin where I was like, what are you fucking, I hate it. And I'd never taste it. <laughs> Same fucking thing, man. I will always be somebody's rum raisin. I don't know how, but the spider verse will be somebody's fucking rum raisin. The flash with Michael Keaton as Batman. Let's just call it the Michael Keaton as Batman movie will be somebody's rum raisin. It, it is confounding to me, but that's just the way it is. Some people will never even fucking bother trying it and shit. And that's true of every fucking movie. So every movie is somebody's favorite fucking movie. And every movie is somebody's fucking rum raisin. And the key to life is to not give a fuck if somebody's like, ew, that shit's rum raisin. It's like, right on, moving on. Fucking sucks to be you because I find magic in it. I find that shit tasty. 
And if you don't, like, I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. Like, that's what social media has become. A bunch of people trying to convince other people that they're fucking right. There is no fucking right. And there is no fucking wrong. It's all a matter of fucking personal taste. We're not in competition with one another. We're all on the same fucking plane. There's no goddamn ladder. Nobody's more right than fucking somebody else. Except the people who are into, like, Nazis and shit. Those fuckers are wrong. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to art, Mark. Right. Proviso, Nazis are always wrong. (laughs) And appreciating fun things. You know, if, if you don't like it, like... I'm not I'm not saying I pity you and you're a fucking idiot, but it's like, all right, that's not where your joy is held. Perhaps your joy is held someplace that it's not for me. Um, This movie is not my fucking rum raisin. It is definitely my fucking chocolate Oatly. And I will fucking I'll put peanut butter in that shit and eat it all day long. Uh, And I bet you the flash is going to be that as well. I'm telling you right now. Even if every second of the Flash fucking sucks, except for the seconds that Michael Keaton is playing Batman, I'll forgive. I know it's like two hours and change, and somebody's like, Michael Keaton's only in 50 minutes of it. I'm like, only? We were (laughs) never going to have Michael Keaton back as Batman. That was it. We had seen every fucking possible second of Michael Keaton as Batman stories. And now, through some fucking shift in the universe, we get a whole other chapter to his Batman. I'm fucking beside myself happy about this shit. In any event, Little Mermaid's long. There, I said it. <laughs> I said it. Um, I, I I don't remember. We 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 were. Uh, you were a Ted Lasso kid, right? Like you got oh, back on board. I fucking love Ted Lasso. I couldn't remember if that was a thing during the pandemic that I was like, you should watch this. And you said I will, and then you never did. Um, which which happens occasionally. Um, but, I didn't watch it. I can't. I, I don't know if you were the one who told me to watch it. I, I did. I watch. No, you. I think you did watch it before me. Yeah, because I remember talking about it on the cast, and uh, you're like, oh, I've never. Again, I was like, hey, Mark said this was good. There were two things during the pandemic. Remember what was the other movie with the guy with the motorcyclists and fucking Matt McKay- Mickelson, Mag Mag. Oh, Mads Mickelson. Yeah, the, the fucking name was that one. But it was basically playing the Punisher. Yes. And, and I was like, Mark says this movie's good. My wife was like, look, I like Mark, but like, this looks fucking bad. But fucking, we both loved it. And I was like, I'll, I'll watch anything Mark says. Even if Mark was like, I found your own snuff film in which you die. I'd be like, Mark says it's good. <laughs> so we should probably give it a try. He says the third act has a big twist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll never see it coming. Um, how did you feel about the, the finale to Ted Lasso? Beautiful. I cried through it. It was fucking wonderful. I hated to see it end. I understand how it ends. I think it's ballsy as fuck to use that Cat Stevens song in mm. a world where, you know, fucking it was defined by Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's how good Ted Lasso is and how confident they are of themselves. They're like, yeah, we know this is the Guardians ending song, but we're going to fucking do it, too, because this song <laughs> pre-exists the Guardians and it really works for this. Um, I, you know, I, they gave them a bit of the bad news bears ending and the bad news bears prepared me from that from age six, as did Rocky, but the bad news bears went before Rocky. If I remember correctly, Mm. they might be the same year. The idea that your hero will not always fucking win or your heroes. So, you know, they get to, they get to, I can't do fucking soccer, football, whatever the fuck, but they get their division title. Is that it? But then, Mm -hmm. and they don't even bother showing them not winning the other thing. 
Right. Um, but, you know, there's a bittersweet edge to it there and whatnot. But it was never about football. You know what I'm saying? The whole thing's predicated on fucking footy, as they call it over there. Let's just say soccer because we're in America. But it was never about soccer. Just like the Bad News Bears isn't really about fucking baseball at the end of the day. It's just set in the world of. So that aspect alone about like watching their unlikely rise this season and even all the seasons of Ted Lasso with the background of fucking soccer slash football was never the point. The point of that was always about this guy's journey. This guy who was hired as a fucking joke and then the magic that he brought to that fucking team, how that individual was brought to a place under one might almost say cruel pretenses and was such a powerful force for good that he changed everybody's life for the better by the time he leaves it so much so that nobody wants him to fucking go. It's a beautiful humanistic story. And every episode, you know, there were some that were softer than others and stuff, but I would say 90% of those episodes were instant fucking classics throughout the run of their show. And I think the series finale falls into that category as well. It had a deep landing to stick in order for you to feel okay about fucking what happens in the end. And they were able to do it, I felt. Um, it was, it was, I thought it was beautiful. I, nothing really shocking. I wasn't like, I can't believe they fucking pulled that off. Um, they picked a lane, a lane that I love to travel in and stayed with it. Like they, they can legit make you laugh in that show with some dirty shit. And it has the purest fucking heart. And that's where I've tried to make my living for like the last 30 years. So I was geared up to like this show already. And they just did such a wonderful fucking job. Uh, you know, I'm sad to see it go, but I'm, I'm okay. Like, uh, you know, we can always watch the reruns and shit like that. Um, but I'm okay that they chose to to go out, um, especially the way they did. It was so fucking beautiful um, and touching, you know, and fucking like they gave us some unforgettable characters. You know, Roy Kent is, is a fucking character for the ages. Um, you know, and his journey, the show was never about him. And yet at the same time, watching his journey was a big part of what that show was. Um you know, it had magical fucking moments throughout the run of that show, including the dart game in season one, I think it was, mm -hmm. with with Rupert. Barbecue sauce. And that fucking was paid off, you know, as Ted was watching, just when they got the last goal, he was like, barbecue sauce. And fucking mm -hmm. bam, it was. A, it, I, I thought, who who is who did that show? Bill, what? what? Bill Lawrence. Um, and I was then... A scrubs guy so I, I wasn't familiar with was scrubs anything like this did it have a lot of heart it had a ton of heart you know it, it was it was funny at times 100 but there was always the the underbelly of scrubs was you know here's what it's like to be young and hungry and broke but loving what you're doing and loving the opportunity to help change lives and it would get very serious at times it would be also it was very parks and recreation that way also where, where Parks and Rec was very much like, we're going to tell this knucklehead story about these knucklehead civil servants, and it's going to be very, very funny, but we are not going to be afraid to like go deep on these characters and their love for each other and their love for the place that they live in. 
And I think, you know, Mike Shore, who did Parks and Rec, would always say, if we made you laugh for 22 minutes, we can, we've earned four or five minutes of emotion. Like, and if you can't give us that, then you just don't like the show. And so I think Ted Lasso is very much in that mold of like, we're going to make you laugh. But, you know, the, the core of it was always the relationship between these people and who they could be if they allowed a little Ted into their lives. Um, and how he changes everybody, almost everybody, for the better, you know, and helps them on their way. Um, my, I, I love the finale also. You know, it sticked most of the landings that I would have wanted it to stick. The one quibble I had, and I had, you know, for most of the season was the Nate story, um, which I was here for. Like, yeah, make Nate a bad guy. Like, I get it. Like, he's, he's, he's an, a, a self-loathing person. Like, the incel is high. Like all of that stuff was real, um, but the quickness with which he was reaccepted by AFC Richmond was a little fast for me. Um, a lot of it is off screen. Like all of us players voted, and we'd like to have you come back. I said, "Well, what about Ted?" I don't know why suddenly Nate is Paul McCartney. Um, I know, really. Where'd you? Why'd you go all Liverpoolian? <laughs> <laughs> I made him a Liverpoolian. Um, Beard, but- Beard was the one that kind of functioned as the last holdout in that when he when he kind of showed up at nate's place and then gave his secret origin for why he was so right which is beautiful which is great you know i just i think you could have stepped all of that stuff back so that by the time you end the show you end it with him finally being re you end it with the hug with ted right you end it with the like i'm so sorry i i don't know what like he doesn't say more than i'm sorry ted and he forgives it but Nate being welcomed back as soon as he was, was a little, um, it felt like you, you were forcing it a little bit to, to give everybody a happy ending. Um, but no, I was down for it. Like, it's a fairy tale at the end of the day. Somebody online, I think t- the Ted Lasso finale has been analyzed almost as much as Across the Spider-Verse is being analyzed. But there was one person who was like, it's, 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 uh, it's the Wizard of Oz. Like... Ted is wearing the red shoes that Dorothy wears. Ted, like, beard is his toto. Like, there's literally the Legos of the Yellow Brick Road. Like, he's putting together Legos of the AFC Richmond stuff. Like, it's all kind of there. So it was a fairy tale for it to end the way it ended. A little bit bitter, but mostly very, very sweet for Rebecca to run into her weird, you know, uh, Amsterdam, you know, sort of one night, not really stand thing. Like, just at an airport. You know, like get a name, send them gonna have a life together. The family that she'd been prophesied by the 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 Furies in the beginning of the season, like all that stuff is super, super sweet. And I don't I don't begrudge a show for being sweet. I, I put you on mute because they're doing some work right outside my office. If you hear like a high pitch, <laughs> I to interrupt what you were saying. Um somebody in the chat said something. Um Tom C. said the most important lesson was that he had to learn to make time to take care of himself, Ted. And that's that's what they tried to teach me when I was in Sierra Tucson. Like, put your mask on before you help somebody else put their mask on. Like, you're no good to anybody unless you're good to yourself first. And Ted was a people pleaser. You know, Ted put everybody before himself. And because of his father's story that had a lot to do with it. I thought the episode with his mom was really beautiful um, yeah. for that reason alone, where he got to address like, you know, where he's just like, I love you and fuck you. And I love you and fuck you. 
um, because she kind of her reaction to her husband slash his father's death shaped the rest of Ted's life and, you know, made him who he is in a great way, but also made him who he is in the ways that he would like to change as well. Um, you don't know. It's crazy being a parent because you have no idea how you're going to fuck up your kid mm -hmm. until it's all done. And, and it's never all done because in a moment, what looks like, oh, shit, what I taught my kid fucked them up. Years later, it could be not that at all. You know, I, I don't have that fraught relationship with my parents. When I was in the, in the nut house, they, they try to get at your parents because that's generally where most people, you know, fucking fall off the rails and shit. But my, I couldn't point to a single thing that my parents did that, like, fucked me up other than model an impossibly fucking good marriage for me where I was like, oh, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's how I'm supposed to be. And I don't even fault them for that. So, like, I, it's always tough for me when, um, you know, characters are like, oh, my parents fucked me up. But I thought Ted Lasso handled that very well. In the case of his dad, it's very easy to see how, you know, that could affect him. But him kind of going at his mom, I bristled at a little bit, but completely understood. Um, wonderful storytelling in that entire show. A lot of people in chat are pointing to shrinking you know, which is Bill Lawrence's new show on Apple that he does with with uh, Brett Goldstein, mm -hmm. Roy Kent himself, that's got Harrison Ford in it and Jason Siegel. Have you fucked with that yet? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I haven't, I haven't fucked with much of Apple's content and not for, you know, not because I have any real thing against it, just whatever reason, like it just never... I'm never the guy who just like, oh, I'll just let it run. Show me the next thing. I'm always bouncing out of the out of the app. So yeah, I've never tried shrinking. I haven't tried um silo, which I'm curious about. I haven't tried um slow horses, which I'm also very curious about. It's Gary Oldbit spy thing. Um yeah, it's my fault, really. It's not their fault. Reggie Extra One says, I was never complimented, never supported. Here, man, I'm gonna compliment you and support you right now. As brave to admit. And I support you. Unless you're like, you know, fucking the white race is the master race or whatever. Fuck. Like, <laughs> and I, I don't support that shit. Or if you're like, let's hunt children. You know, I don't support that. <laughs> compliment to you is like, it's bold to fucking talk about that. And that's where it begins. Healing begins with admitting or talking about what you feel your, your loss was. And then you start rebuilding from there. You can do this kid um got it. in chat they said uh this is ford's best acting in years on that show shrinking a lot of people saying shrinking is great and we should watch shrinking and uh the langley m neely says apple is replacing max sans hbo sans hbo for me most of their stuff is amazing uh i know we gotta go soon because i think jc's got shit to do bamf man you gotta get out or something like that bamf in Aaron. yeah i've got trivia tonight what time? Host. Uh, I I probably got half hour left. Um, let's do. Uh, uh, we'll wrap. We'll start wrapping up. We can't fuck with a man's livelihood. Banff man's got right tonight. If you're in the Los Angeles area in Hollywood, you go down to the Scum and Villainy Canteen on Hollywood Boulevard. Banff man's doing some goddamn trivia. Man, ain't nothing more fun 
and then getting sauced up and being like fucking season two of foundation, you know, fucking whatever. Like that's, that's the kind of thing it is. Right. Bam, man. Yeah. I, uh, I write all of it. So it's all pop culture. It's not like when you go in and they quiz you entirely about sports or the Bible or history of Western civilization. It's all uh, pop culture stuff. Do you think there are pub quizzes where it's all about the Bible? No, but right. when you go in, it's a lot of like Jeopardy questions. So you get a lot of Bible, a lot of like history of world civilization, stuff like that. And we like my categories tonight are Rotten Tomatoes 2011 edition. So I go in and I pull uh, movie descriptions from Rotten Tomatoes and I take the names out and you have to guess what movie it is. Then I've got a uh, John Williams round. And then uh, I always do a what's the connection where I ask nine random questions. And then if you get all the answers right, it connects in a strange way. Now you're just showing off how big your dick is. <laughs> Look so what it's I fun. can do. Ben Wellington in chat says, JC runs a great trivia game. His May the 4th questions were rough. Mm. Uh Justin Hickman says the new Ahsoka trailer just dropped on the NBA playoffs. Any thoughts? I didn't see it. Did you? I think you're doing the show. Did it just? Well, I know they, they, they did reveal the release date, um, which I think is August 23rd. August 23rd. Yeah. Liz Gonzalez in chat says, Kevin and Mark, please wish me a happy birthday. It's on the 29th. Happy birthday, Liz. Happy birthday, Liz. Um, Should we do our last ad before we? uh... Oh, yeah. Oh, good point, man. That's all right. We got to pay our bills, kids. And our final ad of the evening before we dive into everything else, we want to thank. We couldn't be having this discussion. We would literally be silent were it not for the good folks at Blue Chew, ladies and gentlemen. How well does Blue Chew work? You get a month free, so you might as well try it. You're going to like it. And so will your partner. Blue Chew, man. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, baby. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? And when I say go, I mean fuck. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, man. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. Have you ever sat there and been like, God, it cost me a lot of money to get a hard on. Well, fucking Blue Chew is like, we're going to save you a few bucks, man. You can take them anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. So you get it? Mm -hmm. The process is simple, kids. Sign up at bluechew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved... Um, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations where you're like, my dick won't get hard. And he's like, all right, all right, calm down. Uh, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. God, I hate that. Nothing I hate in this world more than waiting in line at a fucking pharmacy. With a soft dick. Oh, with yes, with a very <laughs> soft dick that I'm like, when will it get hard? <laughs> Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, God damn it. They're patriotic and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. In the current version of the brown paper wrapper, 
that used to get a Playboy magazine in when I was a child. Uh, and Marvel Comics, to be fair. Marvel Comics would ship in a plain brown wrapper as well. No backing board. Literally just wrapped in fucking paper. It's dead. Wrapped in paper. <laughs> um, you could be missing out on the best sex of your life, and you probably are. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman. Because when your packages arrive, your package has arrived. This is a good-ass writing, man. This is better than fucking Spider-Verse writing. Uh, <laughs> they always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? You want to be remembered for your coxmanship. BlueChew.com. They say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and BlueChew can help give you confidence where it counts. In your hard dick. Take over, Mark. So, Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. We've got a special deal for deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code FATMAN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code FATMAN to receive your first month free. That's right. When you chew Blue Chew, man, your fucking dick is like Roy Kent. It's here, it's there, it's every fucking where. Uh, <laughs> BlueChew.com, kids. They're the sponsors of the back half of the show. Uh, so give a give them a try, man. Uh, somebody must be trying them on this show because they're continuing to be a sponsor. They've been a sponsor for like well over two years at this point, right? I believe so, yeah. So for as many people in chat who are like, I wouldn't do that. I mean, there are a bunch of people who do do it. Fucking Non-discreetly, getting their dick hard. Exactly. They're like, fucking, you know, I'm, I ain't here for the Spider-Man talk. I want to hear how to cure my fucking soft yes. <laughs> Bluechew.com, folks. How well did Blue Chew work? You get a month free. So you might as well try it. You're going to like it. And so will your partner. Bluechew.com is the place to be, kids. And we thank the good folks at Blue Chew uh, for sponsoring the back half, the sexy half. Of uh, Fat Man Beyond this week. Thank you, Blue Chew. Gobble gobble. That's what she said. Thank <laughs> you. Um, okay. Um, Bamf. Yeah. I I have some news because people ask me all the time. Uh, and I don't think we talked about it. Did we talk about it last show? Galactic Star Cruiser is closing. Yeah, we did in talked September. About that. I got a reservation for the <gasps> second to last check-in date. You're going? I called, I called in, I called around, I got I cashed in some favors and I'm going the second to last. So I'm going uh end of September. The How much 26th. is it costing? How much? Uh it is my room for uh me and two other people is uh six thousand bucks. Holy the fuck. For like two nights. <laughs> but uh, who are the other two people? Your wife uh, and child? <laughs> no. Uh which <laughs> there's a funny story. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wild so, it out in the Galactic Star Cruise with Jason. Who's the, yeah, who's going instead? Uh my friend Elliot. Uh, who's a massive Star Wars fan, and my friend Jazz, who lives in Norway, who overslept and missed his flight to Star Wars Celebration London, so he's going to come over here and spend that money on this instead. Well, uh, fucking JC, if you're going to go on the Galactic Star Cruiser with two guys, bluechew.com. 
<laughs> where you're going to have to visit, my friend. Um, tell you what. So you're so six grand for the fucking stay. Your portion is two grand. I got mm-hmm. you covered. Uh, I'm going to give you two thousand dollars, man. So it ain't going to cost you dick because I know you always want to go. And I said I would fucking pay for you. Uh, I appreciate that. The I got uh, you covered. it's funny. I was so excited when I got the email that I got on. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. And Jen was in the kitchen and Joss and I were sitting having lunch at the dining room table. And she goes, Dada, are you taking mom on your trip? I was like, actually, honey, no, I'm not. She goes, oh, oh, oh. Is that kid, fucking, is that kid like talking now? Real sentences and shit? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, she's she's like a little human. She's two and a half, but she's really just... <laughs> A little human, with, a little human with a lot of common sense to be like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going on this trip. Yeah. And you're like, no, I'm bringing jazz for some reason. <laughs> You've uh, never I, met him, but he's Norwegian and cool. <laughs> to be fair, I asked Jen first, I said, do you want to go on this? And she goes, no, it's okay if you take a boy's trip. Bro, that's a trick. What are you fucking new to this world? Anytime a woman says no, you know what she means? Yeah, I better be going on the Galactic Star Cruiser. You're going to pay for this shit when her, you come home. Her follow up was uh, Do you think I want to go spend three days in a hotel without windows? You know what? She's got a fucking point. <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was like, there, It looks out into space. There's windows. We're in space. <laughs> She, so she wants to all she has to do is like turn on the TV and stare at it for three days. And same effect. She <laughs> wants to go to Harry Potter world out there. So that we'll do that at some point. Well, I ain't paying for that, but I will pay for <laughs> you to go to Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, I want full fucking reportage, which we were gonna get anyway. I will. I'm going crazy though. I've I've commissioned like five or six costumes to bring. I'm going all in. Damn. I'm gonna be so, I'm gonna be in Star Wars for three days. Like dress it, play it, everything. Yeah, you're, you're gonna be like fucking uh, Baron Harkonnen in the latest Dune, man. Just dip yourself in Star Wars oil. <laughs> but nobody. I mean, it'll never. There's never gonna be anything like this again. So like, I gotta try. I gotta. Yeah, see it's how true. It is. They fucking tried it and it didn't work, so they're canceling that shit. So. <laughs> Good for you, man. That's awesome. You, we were t- yeah on the last show. We were talking about like how you missed it and shit, but you didn't miss it after all. I I I, I weaseled my way in right at the nice finish line. Dreams do come true, fucking you know. And now you can answer that immortal question, JC. You just got the last seat on the Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> what are you gonna do next? I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> they are connected, one and the same. Well, that's fucking awesome, man. Good for you. Congrats. Too bad, like, you're going to come back, blow this thing with two fucking hands, and they're not going to be able to sell any tickets off of it. And nobody, yeah, nobody else will get to go. Um, Somebody asks, is Disney, isn't Disney known for people, for being super shitty about people bringing their costumes? You can do it on the Star Cruiser. I had, um, I have a couple people who come into the bar who I'm acquaintances with who I guess somebody from uh, overseas with lots and lots of money paid them to wear their full costumes and go with them as part of their voyage. So my friends were posting all of these photos of them like dressed like Greedo and all of this stuff on the Galactic Star Cruiser for two days. And they... 
had their enti- their flight, the Star Cruiser trip, and they got paid each like 500 bucks a day to go on this trip with these rich guys so that the rich guys could fill out the Star Cruiser with Star Wars aliens. How crazy okay. is that? that is, I, I want that kind of money. <laughs> Me and Mark are out of work writers. We could use that kind of money. I got no scratch. <laughs> I'll dress up like whatever fuck they want. Porkins, <laughs> fucking Adme, whatever. I'll do French it. French made, you got yeah. it. <laughs> French made in space. <laughs> um, check you out, man. That's good news. That's good ass news. That's all I thought about. People in chat are commenting on the Skeletor painting behind me. Uh, Mm. Came Tim Sheridan, one of our co-writers, Masters of the Universe uh, Revolution, and uh, uh, my co-writer on Masters of the Universe Revelation, the sequel series Mm. coming soon. Did Uh, he paint that, or did he just buy it? He hand painted that shit. No, he just bought it. It's it's not even a painting. It's like a print. So you could probably Google naked ass skeletor and probably find it online or something but it's a wonderful piece um all the artists come off my walls because as i said earlier we're getting ready to sell the house and stuff and it's got to get painted you see all the fucking nail holes in this fucker i, I <laughs> pity the fool literally i'm not even referencing mr t but i pity the fool who has to pull all these nails out fill them holes before the painting even begins but that piece um did not go anywhere uh i it, it's I, I need it <laughs> sexy that's my jerk off piece right there i pop a blue chew and i'm like um, hey. and then blue chew gets a free ad out of that fucking shit. <laughs> um all right <laughs> i just got lost i was reading the fucking chat do we want uh, to uh hit a couple quick questions uh we should man we should all right, uh, we do that. And I should remind folks before we do that this weekend. If you're in Texas, come see me at Fan Expo Dallas. Me and Muse gonna be there. We're doing Jay and Silent Bob get old on Friday night. We're taking pictures on Friday. We're taking pictures on Saturday. We're signing shit, and then two weeks after that, me and a whole bunch of fucking BSQ folks are gonna be in Michigan at Astronomicon. Um, it's like fucking that's Jen's first con, my Jen. She's gonna be there and shit. Jennifer's like, nobody wants to see me. I was like, you've been in nine fucking movies. Like, you've been in more movies than some people who fucking live at these cons. So you can come. Her, me, my kid, Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, my other child, Jason Muse. I think Jason Lee's at that con. I know for a fact Jason Lee's at that con as well. Um, so come on out to Astronomicon if you're in the Michigan area. That's two weeks from this weekend. And if you want to see all those people on the high seas, well, have you looked into Jay and Silent Bob's cruise askew? That's happening next February 2024, man. We're going to go from Miami to the Bahamas. Mark's going to be on that cruise, aren't you, Mark? I will be. My first ever cruise. You've never been on a boat before? Nope. I went to Alaska once with my wife. 11 days. Too much. Ooh, I, look, I would have preferred to be on the Galactic Star Cruise looking at a fucking TV screen for three days. <laughs> 11 days is too much. Um, you know, by day seven, we were like, we get it. And we still had four more days to go. But uh, go to Jane Silent Bob's cruiseaskew.com or cruiseaskew.com. I don't know where it is. You go to csmod.com. There's probably a listing for it. 
But come join us February 2024, man. It's cheaper than that fucking Star Wars fucking cruise, I'll tell you that. And unlike the Star Wars cruise, it exists still next year. <laughs> come on. You look out the windows, you see what's out the windows. We got Hollywood Babylon on the high seas. We got Fat Man Beyond on the high seas. We got Jane Silent Bob Goodall on the high seas. We got Education with Andy McElfish on the high seas. Plus, all your favorite stars from fucking View Askew movies and shit like that. Me, Jay, uh, Dante, Randall, fucking so many more. They're announcing two new ones this week for absolute gets, as well as a band that is an absolute get. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, pay attention this week when they announce fucking the new additions and I guarantee you're gonna be like, you're gonna make hey, it rain. Am I am I looking? Am I reading between the lines? And the band is new edition. That's right. <laughs> We're getting the original lineup too, man. Bobby Brown's gonna be there now. We do not have new edition. <laughs> I am not that fucking powerful. I can't even pull Bell Biv DeVoe, let alone new edition. Oh, boys to men. Um, now you know. Yo, slick. Blow. Blow. Um. And then uh, if you're in the New Jersey area, well, if you're in California, June 19th, me and Mark are going to be doing Fat Man Beyond at the uh, cantina right there in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard, the Scum and Villainy Cantina. And if you're in New Jersey, July 15th, 16th, and 17th, come watch The Flash with me every night at 7 o'clock. I'm going to do Q&A. We're going to do auctions. You can win some cool shit. And when I say win, I mean buy. Um, and then don't forget July 1st, we're doing, uh, bears driving at Smod castle, the clerk's cartoon marathon with Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson, July 29th. We're celebrating my birthday by reading the Superman lives script at Smod castle. Um, and August 25th, me and Mark are going to be at Smod castle. Rocking Fat Man Beyond live in New Jersey again. Had such a good time in March. A lot of tickets already sold for that fucker, man. So don't hesitate. Get your ticket now. And then August 26th, if you have not had enough of me and Mark, well, come to our double feature, our Tim Curry double feature, man. Keep calm and curry on where we're going to watch not one, but two Tim Curry movies back to back with a Q&A fucking sandwiched in between. That's Clue at first. And then Legend after that. Two great Tim Curry movies for the price of one. Come on out. All the action is at smodcastlecinemas.com. All right, Banff, man. Let's take their questions. All right, Banff. Um, first question uh, from Graham Bliley. What spider entity would you be and from what kind of universe? Define this question. Meaning like... Uh, if you were to be like Spider-Man Noir or Spider-Punk, what spider entity would you be and what would the universe look like that you're from? Lego Spider-Man. I would be Silent Spider-Man. That's where I take my fucking IP, Silent Bob, and I cross him with fucking Spider-Man. And basically the character talks like he used to talk on the electric company. He don't speak, he thinks, and they put word balloons over his head. Whoop! And then you'll see his thought. <laughs> He'd be wearing a long trench coat and shit. He would have a backwards baseball cap, long hair. He'd have a beard sticking out of his spider mask and shit. Silent Spider Bob. 
That's mm. fucking be. And it'd be set in the across the universe. And fucking he would interact with Jay would be my green goblin or my Gwen Stacy. I'm not quite sure. Or my fucking Mary Jane, let's be honest. Um let's see. Uh fucking Dante and Randall would be my Well, I don't know who they'd be, but they'd all be there, kids. Because here's my <laughs> chance to cross my IP, intellectual property, with Marvel's IP. They'll make action figures and shit like that. Silent Spider Bob could be as big as fucking Spider Punk. I'll tell you that right now. Nice. Lord and Miller, call me. I know how we can make a billion dollars. Ringles Silent Spider Bob. I know there are a lot of talented artists listening. Somebody fucking tweet up that silent spider Bob variant and I will fucking retweet that shit and make you famous for 12 minutes on the internet. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything quite that good. Um, I feel like, however, like armchair Spider-Man detective at large would be kind of cool where he just never leaves his, uh, his smoking room. He wears a just robe and a the TV channel. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think your problem is you didn't account for the fact that gravity operates differently in this world. <laughs> Go catch him, Chief O'Hara, or Captain Stacy, or whoever your name is. That's all I do. Sit in an armchair and give advice to the real detectives. And then use my webs to, like, get the DoorDash food from the front door. Um, there's your answer, kids. Um, also, uh, we should point out that the Flash, the CW is the Flash. The Arrowverse fucking ended. It's over. It's done. I'm not going to say it's never happening again because, you know, in this best of all possible worlds, everything fucking comes back. Michael Keaton is back as Batman. So if that's the case, you may indeed one day see Grant Gustin as the Flash again, and the Arrowverse may breathe again. But they did end after nine seasons. They went out. Uh, they referenced the episode that I made with the great Zach Stentz. He wrote the script uh, called um, the, uh, what was the dinosaur thing? The something. Oh, yeah. Runaway dinosaur. Like at one point, you know, Barry's talking to his, his baby and they showed the book and stuff. The little baby book of the runaway dinosaur. Um, I've got great, wonderful memories of working on the flat. I got great, wonderful memories of watching it. You can watch. I don't even. You don't even have to be remembered. There's video of me online watching the you know finale of season one, crying like a fucking child. It was so beautiful, and I aggregated from fan to working on that fucking show and got to meet my heroes in real life and uh, help tell the story back in seasons I think two and three. So, uh, yeah, man, I, it's, it's all great things come to an end, and, and that came to an end. Uh, the Flash had his final run on TV just in time for The Flash to start his run at the box office. So mm -hmm. we salute uh, the Berlanti-verse, which really fucking, you know, for a while there was doing the Lord's work, man. Like, you know, now we live in a world where multiverse is a cinematic term and fucking... We're going to see, from what I've heard in the new Flash movie, some amazing fucking shit involving movies that never even happened they're going to reference as Flash races across time. But I'll never fucking forget seeing, you know, Flash run and catching a glimpse of the Flash Museum. Like, that was fucking mind-bending to me. I'll never fucking forget um, Tom Cavanaugh 
as Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash, sitting in his cell, fucking telling him, so run, Barry, run. Um, show had such wonderful fucking moments and episodes. And uh, yeah, it came to an end. So congratulations to all my Flash friends uh, in front of the camera and behind the camera. The folks who kept that show made it, made them run every episode over and over again. Uh, we salute you. You did the Lord's work, man. Now, rest easy, speedsters. <laughs> now, by the end of that show, everybody could run fast. Everybody's running. Felt like everybody got a superpower and shit. But uh, that's what happens when you go nine fucking seasons. Grant Gustin must be rich as fuck, right? Like, if he, if he spent his money well and you know invested wisely and saved, you know, with dedication, he should be comfortable. He deserves. Somebody better put him in something cool. And I'm not. People be like, you cast him. I don't make anything fucking good. Let's be honest. I make Kevin Smith shit. He deserves better after spending nine years in a cement block, fucking telling you flash stories. <laughs> Somebody better give that guy something good. He got. He became married. Got married and has a family now. He's a fucking dad. Flash yeah. is the father and shit, just like he was on the show. <laughs> um. So yes, the flash ended, and here we give it its due. Thank you, uh, speedsters, and. Uh, and the Verlanti verse and AKA the arrow verse to others and shit. He ran the longest flash was the longest running of all those shows. Yeah. Nine, nine seasons. That's, that's a hell of a way to go. I met some wonderful friends, man, through that fucking show. Um, you know, people I still work with, uh, to this day for heaven's sakes. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I, I'll, I will, that show came along at a perfect time in my life where it, it like I, that was where I started opening up. Like I was always pretty emotionally open, but I just didn't wear my heart on my sleeve and didn't show fucking people. And that was the show where I was like, fucking, I don't give a shit if it makes me cry. I'm going to fucking show the Internet that. And it got me a job, bitch. So anybody <laughs> who's like, fucking don't cry on the Internet. Fuck you. I got to direct Flash three fucking times because I cried on the Internet, man. So. I don't give a go. fuck if I'm your rum raisin. I got to direct the flash because I cry. <laughs> Reference to an earlier part of the show. Um, all right, Banff, man. Give us some more questions. Banff. Okay, keeping with the Spider-Verse theme, uh, this is uh, ear mixing for both Kevin and Mark. If you could come up with alternate universe versions of Jay and Silent Bob, what do they look like? So pick a different hmm. universe and you have to like redress them the way that they do with Spider-Man. Um, in the mirror universe, they fucking dress like each other. So Jay wears the long coat. Silent Bob wears sweatpants or track pants. Um, I, I mean, here, how about in the cold universe, they wear snow variants. So you know how Han Solo had the fucking parka thing? Mm -hmm. that's what fucking silent bob wears on hoth those are his hoth fatigues <laughs> jay's got his bespin fatigues is wearing like khakis and shit like that no cap whatsoever oh this is a tough one for me yeah i mean it's like you can do tropical fucking jay and silent bob where where jay's wearing you know like fucking bunny bathing suit shorts and uh or or a thong he'd probably wear a thong jay feels like a thong dude 
And uh, and Simon Bob is still wearing an overcoat, but he's got um, shorts on, which he already has, and fucking sandals, you know, for the sand. Makes sense. All right, Batman, come on back. We didn't get a lot I, of that. I, I would do Sherlock Holmes and Watson, Jay and Silent Bob, and they speak with British accents and solve mysteries, but in their hijinksy way. Fuck, dude, that's good. No wonder you make <laughs> question. You've had an answer. <laughs> well done. Well, then in that world, I pick fucking biblical Jay and Silent Bob, where, you know, they're 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 like fucking helping Jesus out of jams and shit like that. They get him off the cross. So, like Life of Brian. Jay and Silent yes. Bob. They fucking they 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 show up at the crucifixion with a ladder and a pair of pliers. The Sam Kinison once joke, they fucking pull Jesus down and then fucking Oscar Isaac says some alternate Jesus shows up and he's like, you can't do that. Some things are canon. Wasn't it fucked up how the villain technically in the Spider-Man movie was like all the people who like Marvel editorial, like who've told the same fucking story mm-hmm. over and over again. Like, cause they're like, you can't change some shit. Uncle Ben's got to die. Captain Stacy's got to die and shit. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, all right. Somebody said Penn and Teller crossover with Jane Silent Bob. Yeah, man, that's it. Uh, that's dope. The uh, biblical, biblical Jane Silent Bob. Are we talking about dogma? I guess I've done it already. You're absolutely right. But hey, I've retread myself before. We just came out with Clerks 3, for heaven's sakes. So. <laughs> All right, last question. Last Tolkien question. Study says Judas and Jesus into the Judas verse. <laughs> How many people can he betray? Uh, all right, last question of the night. This is going to send us home, kids. Hope you had a good time. This is uh, from Crispy Burrell. If the guys could put together a band musical group comprised of only comic characters, who would be in the band and what genre of music would they play? So you're I don't want to do that. ask another question. That's not that ain't fun for me. <laughs> ask a question we could fucking answer, man. Like, <laughs> does anybody have a trivia question or something? <laughs> I don't want to think of alternate me fucking animal bands and shit. Come on, something else. Uh, let's see. A lot of multiverse questions tonight. Let's try. Um, right. What it's sequel? What sequel or reboot? What sequel, reboot, or update that no one asked for, but you would have carte blanche and endless money, would you do? And I'm going to add the caveat, not another Michael Keaton Batman. Fuck! (laughs) Don't steal my joy and then just disappear, you bamf piece of shit. Like, I was going to say Michael Keaton Batman. God damn it. All right, here. Mm -hmm. I'll throw a bunch at you. Buckaroo Banzai. Mm Mm-hmm. Bad News Bears. I've always wanted to do a Bad News Bears sequel, man, where Kelly Leak and fucking um, Amanda Wolitzer are grown up and they're the fucking Walter Matthaus and they both coach separate fucking teams that got to play each other. Paramount, call me. There's a Bears averse. I'm telling you right now, a Bad News averse. <laughs> uh, what other things have I loved? Fucking Bob and Doug McKenzie. I bring that shit back and keep it going. Um, what else did I love as a child? 
You know what I always think of felt like, man, they could have made a lot more of those. Hmm. Halloween. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Saturday the 14th, Sunday the 15th. There's just all of these calendar movies you've got to get making. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I have gotten very lucky in as much as things I've loved really caught on and fucking now they'll do them to death and shit. But uh, there are some things like like the things I just mentioned, which I would totally love to go back into. Buckaroo Banzai is just wide open, man. They only did it once, and it's so crazy imaginative. In my lifetime, somebody's going to fucking get that and run with it and make it work. I was attached to it for like four fucking years, five years, I think, at two separate places, both with money, and it didn't come together. So maybe it's me. But we almost had Keanu Reeves doing it. I know, so close. So fucking this could have been like John Wick. I could have been the new John Wick. You could have been. You were a pubic hair away. Or the guy who made John Wick, really. I could never yeah. be John Wick. Fucking somebody oh. fucking like that motherfucker takes a beat and somebody fucking slaps me, I'd cry and count. <laughs> so I could never be John Wick himself. Um let me see. Maurice Suggs in uh, chat said Buck Rogers. I fucking co-signed that. I don't understand how Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon are not Green Hornet, which is another thing I've worked on and stuff, as has Mark. I don't understand how these are not fucking happening again. Here, here's a here's a big one. Ready? Mm. The shadow, bitch. How the fuck are they not doing the shadow now? Like, just because they made the Alec Baldwin movie and people felt like it didn't work and shit, there was some good shit in that movie. But The Shadow is a badass fucking character. You don't have to do it in the 20s. Howard Chaykin fucking didn't do it in the 20s. He updated it for his DC Comics run. And that run of The Fucking Shadow that followed his run was one of my favorite comic book runs of all fucking time. Shadow's got a network of agents and shit like that. Like... Lamont Cranston, the original fucking billionaire, fucking with a dark secret and shit. He changes his voice. He has the power to cloud men's minds. He's got a fucking ring. Come on, man. All that shit is gold. Do the fucking shadow. Do it. What about you, Mark? Um, the one that I'll say, because the other ones would be giving shit away for free, and I don't want to do that. I've been warned against it. But... um. I uh the last starfighter seems like it was just built to be a TV show or more movies or whatever but that idea is so fucking strong it's so fun you know looking you know, at uh, you know who really wanted to do that while we were making Zach and Miriam make a porno Seth Rogen was pursuing the last starfighter because he wanted to do that as a film mm. for the exact same reason he was like it is such a great idea He's like, especially now, well, video games aren't just kiosks in a fucking arcade. They're viable. People do it all the time and get really fucking good at it and shit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that idea plays. Excellent idea. I remember uh, Gary Whitta, who uh, who co-wrote Rogue One, was chasing it. And, and the problem had always been the rights were difficult. Um, like Spielberg wanted to do it. Seth wanted to do it. But I think Gary had gotten relatively close to finding the person with the rights and maybe convincing them. But that was a couple of years ago, and I don't know whatever happened with that. But it still is like sort of the nerd holy grail of like, come on, guys, come on. It's just sitting there. 
It is. And, and video games have only become more fucking popular. So the, the film is relevant as fuck. I mean, we, there's stole, no- we bit that storyline for an episode of the fucking Clerks cartoon where Randall played this game Pharaoh and he was so good at it. The government came and they're like, you know, you this game was always meant to find somebody at your skill level. And like in the game, all he did was break rocks. And then they brought him to this facility <laughs> where all he did was break rocks and get whipped. Um, there's a new movie coming out called Gran Turismo, which is based apparently on a true story of this kid who was very good at playing that video game, this car racing video game. So good that he was kind of dubbed and picked by a dude who owned a racing team. It's like, if you're really good at Gran Turismo, I'm going to put you behind the wheel of a real racing car and see how you can do. And apparently he did well. Spoilers. But I think that's the movie. Um, and like that is one step away from the last Starfighter. Like it's just like you're gonna drive a racing car as opposed to you know heading up the whatever fighting zoo and the Kodan Armada. Wow, well remembered, man. <laughs> Great Robert Preston. Yes. He was absolutely wonderful. Um, somebody said I, I kept seeing a bunch of this, and I want to give it a shout. Um, Rocketeer. Fucking a hundred percent. Hundred percent, I would fucking watch a Rocketeer sequel. And weren't they working on one? There's an animated show, I think, for Disney Plus that they might have made. Um, or I, I don't know. I remember there was David Oyelowo had something to do with it. I think he might have been the mechanic, and they had. Yeah, I don't know if it was period or not, but yeah, Disney was doing something. Bamf. Um Fucking, uh, somebody said in chat, Gran Torino, the Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> yes. The video game of just hate speech. Like, but that guy. Bamf, man, what's up? Uh, I was going to say Last Starfighter, but also uh, there's a video game called Wing Commander that they did a mm. movie of uh, back in like 1999 Mark, or Mark something. Mark Hamill was in it. Yeah, yeah. I think Wing Commander could be, could be a, a good one. Um, and also somebody in chat said the wizard, which was a Fred Savage kind of like road trip video game movie where I feel like there's a world where you could do a, a road trip movie about a a guy and his brother and the hijinks of getting from the East coast to the West coast for the video game championship of something or other. Uh, Bonanista said Homestar Runner, and that just made me fucking like remember oh. Strong Bad. Remember Strong Bad writing all those letters and shit? <laughs> um, you know, a lot of uh, love for the Thundercats. Um, James B. Smith says Dick Tracy when Warren Beatty dies. I guess Warren Beatty has that locked up. He's got it locked up, and I think he does the thing where like every couple of years he's got to shoot a thing as Dick Tracy in order to keep the rights like you have to be in quote-unquote production on something and so i think he's made like short films as dick tracy that he doesn't show anybody is that right i think so i think so why is he holding on to it like dick tracy would be kind of badass man modern day dick tracy like last year or two years ago he did a zoom that he broadcast as dick tracy and that was what he like that's why how he got to maintain the rights. He did a Zoom QA as Dick Tracy. Why is he holding on to these rights? No idea. 
And I don't know who wants more Dick Tracy except for maybe Warren Beatty. <laughs> just don't. Dick Tracy has the original rogues gallery, man. Yeah, but so? Fucking flat. <laughs> I got this two-way watch. That's not as good as my phone. Big boy Caprice. He's got a fucking, he's got an Apple watch before anybody had one. Blue Chew <laughs> might want a new Dick Tracy movie. Oh. There you go. Well It'd done, be a different man. type of movie, but yeah. Uh, fucking shout out to BlueChew.com, the sponsor for the back half of the show. And the back half of the show is over, kids. It's all we got for you, man. Don't That's forget, it. you got to come see us live in Hollywood at the Scum and Villainy Cantina right on Hollywood Boulevard. Tickets at a very long address that I can't remember. Is that Eventbrite? Just go C Fat Man. C-Smod as well now. It's up oh, is it good? Go to C-Smod.com. I remember that. There and is. buy tickets, man. So, uh, And you better buy them now. Because everyone's always like, why don't you do the show at the canteen anymore? Sell us out, fuckers. And we will. We sold out in about four days, the last show. So people should get on it now. Yeah. That was show 400. So people were like, ooh, a reason to celebrate. This is just a show. But they should still fucking buy all those tickets, man. You know how many tickets sells us out? Tell them, Banff, man. Come on in. 75. That's it. 75 fucking tickets here in fucking Los Angeles and Hollywood. You can come on in. You don't even have to be from Hollywood. You can come in from fucking Burbank. Fucking El Segundo. Thousand Oaks. Fucking <laughs> Santa Clarita, if you want to push it. Malibu, the boo, if you will. Calabasas. Uh, Beverly Hills. There, fuck Beverly Hills. You could just... You you don't you could come see us. You can come in from New Jersey. I'd support that. I mean, I won't financially support it, but I'd fucking shout you out, put you up on the wall, fucking put a camera on you, pat like, you down, <laughs> yeah, feel you, up. Like, you got a gun on you because you come from New Jersey. Uh, whenever we're at Smog Castle, we're always like, How, "Who came from where?" And so many people come from really fucking far, man. So don't be shy. If you've ever watched Fat Man Beyond. And you're like, that looks like a good time. Make a trip. My God. Like after the show's over, you just hang out at fucking the Scum and Villainy Cantina. They sell blue milk. They got hater tots or tater tots. Don't you make food there, Banff Man? We got food. We got lots of good food. You forgot your fucking trademark yeah. code word. Banff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming from really far away. It was a time delay. <laughs> okay, he must have come from El Segundo. <laughs> Um, and then if you're like, what the fuck? I'm on the East Coast. I can't get to that show. Well, we thought of you. August 25th, come see Fat Man Beyond at Smog Castle Cinemas. Tickets at smogcastlecinemas.com. And I'm telling you right now, for a show that takes place in August, it's June 7th. That show's on August 25th. It's already over half fucking sold. Fuck yeah, it is. That's right. There's like maybe 100 tickets left. So don't sleep on it. Get your credit. Hey. Don't forget, I'm going to be back in Jersey June 15th, 16th, 17th. Come watch The Flash with me. Hear me fucking scream every time Michael Keaton comes on screen in that fucking outfit, even when he's not in the outfit. Going to be, it's, I'm telling you right now, I've had a good life and I've, I've lived through a fucking heart attack and I lived through fucking a mental health crisis. And the, if in the story of my life, the third act, the thing that brings it all together in the in when they make the movie about my life, 
is going to be me in the theater watching Michael Keaton be Batman again. <laughs> so don't you want to be a part of my movie? Like, you fucking, <laughs> I was there. Like, that legit happened. His life was so empty that fucking seeing Michael Keaton play Batman again, that's his third act. Yeah. And Kevin wept. <laughs> yes. It's all I've ever wanted in life is to see this guy fucking play Batman one more time. So <laughs> be there in the room with me while it's, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to see it at the premiere. Who are you now? Yeah, I got tickets, man. Uh, I, I was like, I asked my publicist, I was like, what am I doing wrong? Fucking blow this fucking movie for a year straight on our TV show. And fucking, I ain't got any tickets. JBM's got tickets to the fucking premiere and they didn't call me. And he's like, they emailed you. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I don't check my email. I said, yeah. so yeah, the good folks at Warner Brothers invited me to, or Ben did. Somebody invited me to the premiere. It's June 12th, which is also Jay Muse's birthday. And it's at the Chinese theater, literally right down the street, where I have my handprints and my footprints in the cement. So I'm going to fucking go look at my handprints and the footprints in the cement and walk in and watch fucking Michael Keaton be Batman again. And I'm telling you, if that ain't the fucking last shot of my fucking the movie of my life, I don't know what is. Fableman style, just Kevin looking up at Michael Keaton, and then the camera just tilts. And no, 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 then... that ain't it, Mark, because we need him to go to the show at fucking Smodcastle. That's where the movie ends. <laughs> you got to come either June 15th, 16th, and 17th. The third act of my movie is unnaturally fucking long. So come watch The Flash with me. Watch with Kev The Flash, June 15th, 16th, 17th, and then June 19th, Juneteenth, if you will, Watch me and Mark Bernard and talk about The Flash. Yes. On Batman Beyond. Watch it live at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Hey, man, can I tell you something else? You know what I got a copy of? Huh. Batman Forever, the fucking Schumacher cut. Ooh. That's right. So guess what I'm going to do? I probably shouldn't be talking about this. Warner Brothers is going to take my ticket away. But I'm going to slip you a fucking copy. So you and me can talk about it on that June 19th show. So first we'll talk about Flash. Then we can review the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever. I've watched it. It's longer. <laughs> There's more of it. There's lots more. You know how the movie starts with fucking, you know. I don't uh, remember. <laughs> you don't remember? It starts with Two-Face, um, you know, fucking busting into the bank and shit like that. Mm -hmm. That don't happen for like 15 minutes in the original cut. Uh, it's crazy. It's a crazy good copy too, man. Often avid. It's got like temp score and everything. So <laughs> on the June 19th show, we're going to be uh, talking about it. Excellent. You uh, might even show a fucking clip. Not online because we'll get thrown yeah, off. Don't get crazy. In the room at Scum and Villainy Cantina. Maybe we do the show and then afterwards, I don't know, maybe maybe it winds up, maybe you wind up seeing what we talked about after the fucking show. In the room when it happens, my friends. Like the man said. Just like Ronnie said, be my little baby. That's right. <laughs> well done. Uh, all right, kids. There, there's your fat man beyond for tonight. It's now fucking 653 on the West Coast. JC's gotta go fucking ask trivia questions at the scum and villainy cantina we thank jc for bringing us to you banff man himself right there thin as fuck somebody got to look into it motherfucker won't eat anymore I'm sure. uh, <laughs> she's trying to get all fit so he could go on a galactic star <laughs> yeah. guys <laughs> am i fighting weight
crazy. Um, he's going to be blue chewing it. All right. Um, <laughs> we thank the good folks at bluechew.com for sponsoring the show. We thank the good folks at Native for sponsoring the show. We thank you for tuning into the fucking show. And we thank the great, God damn it. Yeah. The great Mark Bernardin for coming in, man, and fucking doing the show. As per usual, I was like, Mark, I saw a thing and it made me come and I love it. And it's the best thing that happened. And Mark was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I appreciate your joy. <laughs> um, there it is, kids. Bugging. You wanted some, you wanted to go beyond Fat Man. We did. We went Fat Man Beyond. We did. That's Fat Man Beyond for this week, man. Uh, tune in uh, for Fat Man Beyond. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Tune in next time. Same fat time. Same fat channels. Modcast.com or YouTube.com slash Kevin Smith. Jeff's kiss, everybody. This has been a Smodco Internet production. Sip only at Smodcast.com. <laughs>